3: good everybody thanks for hanging out with us on this tuesday he's the Gun. i am rls we are sports Take jacob sports youtube network d gun what's up my man How you yo doing? man
4: I-, I like that lid you're wearing today bro
3: little callaway yeah not bad yeah, it's not bad yeah. for someone who's that? a terrible golfer i probably shouldn't wear golf gear but what the heck man it still looks it still looks decent do you yeah. golf often I, I, then that's part of the problem. I don't play, you got to play to get good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like to get out there and just hack around a little bit. Like I don't sit there and study every shot and think about it for 15 minutes. No, get up, right. rip it and rip it is my, uh, my adage when it comes to, to golfing.
4: So basically, you? so basically you approach it as a elongated version of miniature golf.
3: Yes, I, it's correct. That's exactly how I
4: approach now, it. No, I golf, I've golfed maybe five times in my entire life. Now here's what's funny. People always laugh. This is "D guy that makes no sense. Golf to me. I love Now, Don't get me wrong. I love watching the majors. I'm not watching it every week. I love yeah. watching like the final two holes of the majors. Um, but I'm not walking 18, holes, even a golf cart. I'm not hitting a little white ball follow it, hit it again, follow it, hit it again. And people say, wait a minute, but you fish and you, you you cast, you cast, you cast. And for every 50 casts, you might catch a fish. I say, yeah, but it's the, it's the pursuit. Yeah. You know, uh, of the water exploding or hooking that one once in a lifetime trophy to, to golf doesn't give me that same exhilarating feeling that fishing does. So I'm not a golfer by any stretch of the imagination.
3: Huh, interesting. Yeah. I, um, I generally play once or twice a year okay, and, okay. you know, uh, here's what I don't, here's what happens sometimes. And it's, you tell me, all right. So sometimes I'll get invited to, to, to very nice charity outings. Like, like for example, Brian, Daw- I didn't get invited to Brian Dawkins, but I'm using that as an example, like something right, like that. Right, it's a great right. fundraiser and, yep. you know, somebody's kind enough to ask you and all that and if i if i don't have to work I, I always make it a point to to make an appearance there uh and and give or you know whatever yeah but the problem is like i'm not good enough to be paired with guys who can really play you know what i mean <laughs> yep. like so i it's it's embarrassing frankly because these guys are legit like they're like scratch golfers and i'm out there just like i said hacking away so it's a weird position to be in where I'll say to whoever invites me, like, Hey, listen, like, I'm happy to, to donate. I'm happy to, to spend some time and show up, but I I'm not really like someone who should be out there playing with somebody who's really good.
4: And, and you know, a lot of time, the, even the weekend golfers are guys who work for corporations Yeah, and you know, some of the biggest deals in this country are cut on a golf course. Right. Oh, big. Yeah. Absolutely. That happens. And, and, and so I'm not number one, that's too much idle chatter for me. You know, I, I love talking to people, but I have my limitations. You know, you got to talk for four hours, man, and, and engage for four hours out there in the golf course. And you know, if you have a bad day, and I'm not I, in, in my case, I don't care about the score. Right. I, I come away thinking I just wasted four hours of my day, <laughs> or more. I could have been doing yard work. I could have been yeah. doing something else. I just wasted four hours of my day, so I don't even pursue it. And and being a left-handed golfer, also, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not spending that kind of money on, on golf clubs. I spend it on fishing gear. Obviously, mm-hmm. I have like 17, 18 rods and reels, two tackle boxes, all that stuff. All right, but I'm not doing it for golf. Nope. Yeah. Not
3: so yeah, do it. oh I. I, I... While I enjoy it, I don't do it enough to get good, and I don't take it seriously enough. Right. I to go out, have some fun, hang out with my buddies, but you're right. There are a lot of deals cut, that's for sure, on the golf course. But we see everybody. What's up, uh, Adams Exploits? What's up, Gigi, John, William, Brett, Lil Tone? Uh, who else? Eagles fan for life. Uh, well, yeah, We see all you guys, and if I missed anybody, my apologies, but good hanging out with you today on this Tuesday. Big show today, so... 12.30, Jimmy Kemski from Philly Voice. Always love catching up with Jimmy. I don't think we've talked to Jimmy since after since the draft, so we got a lot right. of time to cover. Yeah, so we will do that uh, with Jimmy. And then at 30, Ben Davis, Philly's analyst, both in the booth and in the studio. All right, Gunnar, let's start there for a minute. Yep. We both used, I think, uh, the identical phrase yesterday or, or, or brought it up sort of in
4: the same way. We don't trust them. Um and let me and let me reiterate that. Yeah, I don't trust this Phillies team, but I also have a theory. Okay. But well, yeah. last
3: night drove it home. Okay. That they, we have they don't they're not worthy of our trust yet. Yet. It could get there, but you have done nothing to earn it so far.
4: Well, let's give credit where credit is due, also. Um Arizona came in here hot. You know, early in the season, Arizona struggled, but they caught fire. Right, and they went, They've gone on a winning streak. So Arizona's a good team. You know, they are young. A really good team. Mm-hmm. They're a young team, but they are a good team, and they showed it last night. Yep. Every time the Phillies got close, they got an additional run to pull, a, put a little distance between themselves and um, the Phillies. And man, did they tattoo Zach Wheeler last night? They didn't hit him hard. A yeah. couple pitches, most of them were soft singles, but they did a they did a number on, 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 on Wheeler. And Wheeler couldn't find a plate pitches up in the zone so on and so forth and he paid he paid a price for that yep
3: no you're absolutely right he did and and it continues the pattern and again i'm not laying all of it on him but it continues the pattern of he's just been okay
4: and he needs
3: to be pretty close to great like he needs to be very good to great and and that's that's uh yeah it's not acceptable you know and i'm gonna be curious i'm very interested to hear what ben has to say regarding um you know, many different things, the pitching, what you do with this. I mean, tonight you're hoping you're doing this sort of bullpen game, wish, hope and pray sort of situation. And and that's not great either. So we will talk Phillies in a little bit with Ben. I'm surprised, Derek, last night. I thought I thought the Lakers would take one in this series. I thought they would win this game. I thought it would go back to Denver. Denver would would end it in game five.
4: And uh, what did I tell you yesterday?
3: I was yeah, that's where I was going. I'm going to give yeah. you total props here. You you called it. You called the sweep. And, and what was it? They were up 15 at the half. 15, the Lakers at the half. Yep. And then you know, to the Nuggets' credit, as they they started chipping in the third, and then they went into the fourth, and their superstars took over. Man, and and it was that was it. That was it. Props to to that whole that whole squad, Mike Malone squad,
4: doing their thing. Dude, Jokic did it again. He hits a couple of jumpers with the ball behind Ins- his head. Just, insane shot clock. Just, yeah, and Anthony Davis is standing there, and one of them going, what, what, "Yeah, what, what do you want me to do with this?" Yeah, I mean, I mean, the dude is the dude is so slow. It's like it's like watching it's like watching a slow trickling creek, <laughs> but. You can't stop him. He has that little floater in the paint he never misses. Yeah. You can't stop him. It's hard to defend him. He's an excellent passer, but he's so slow by today's NBA standards. But, man, man, did he thoroughly frustrate the Lakers once again. Yeah, he just day. knows how
3: to play. You know? He's got so many tricks in his bag, too. He really, oh my goodness. His ability to pass at that size. I, I've never seen a big like that. I have never seen a big pass like he does.
4: What? Not even in beat?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no. And I'll tell you, all I do is get annoyed. I get annoyed watching him. I, I get annoyed when I watch Butler in the other series. I just it just I, I always I always bring everything back to the Sixers, man, and it just frustrates yep. the heck yep. out of me. It yep. really does. Well, so, I know. And they look, they show a killer instinct. It, it wouldn't be very easy for Denver last night to be like, "All right, we 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 go back to home. We're up three one. You know, we're going to be fine." No, and, and and here's the other thing that was really interesting. I had to look at it, but I think he played. I think Joker played every minute of the second half. Mm. Mike Mike Malone said, "We're not we're not playing a game five. I'm I'm ending this thing. Like I am going for the haymaker here, and, and and he did, and it worked. And now now these guys they'll rest for nine days, Derek. They don't play until June." June 1st.
4: June June 1st, yeah. Yeah. As much as I don't like that lull period, as I said yesterday, I don't mind. I want to see both teams healthy, well-rested. I want to see the best of the best from Denver, and I'm assuming Miami, because there's no way Boston's coming back in this series. You feeling a sweep tonight? I'm feeling a sweep again tonight. I think Miami's going for the jugular. I think Boston uh, will come out fired up because they were embarrassed. Jason Tatum, has not been to Jason Tatum this series, this entire series that we've watched most of this season. Yeah. You know, he's not the Tatum J- and put up fifty Jalen Brown's really
3: season. let him down, man.
4: Jalen Brown's let him down. Tatum's been bad. Kicking yeah. the ball in the fourth quarter. Horford's a non-factor. Over. Horford can't hit the ocean. No, nah, he's a mess. He can't hit – his three-ball his three shot is way off. Yep. Um, Boston can't do anything right. And even when they get a little bit of momentum – Miami says, "Okay, enough playing around with you." And they come back and take it to him. Nobody can defend, you know, Jimmy Buckets. No matter who they put on, them, they can't defend them. And this has been so lopsided because you got two great defensive teams, but Boston's defense has not been nearly as good as Miami's. No, no, you're right. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. I just
3: think you're you're seeing a, a team that's more clutch. You're seeing a team that's better coached. You're seeing a team that's got more fight and more will uh than the other one in this series but if you if you just sat there and looked at it on paper there's no doubt boston has more talent on paper but paper doesn't matter i mean we've how many times have we talked about this it doesn't matter
4: doesn't matter and it's It's a great example team cohesiveness and miami is that team um you know who's it just said okay Gigi says nuggets versus heat who do you like i told you guys last week uh, earlier in the week no last week i said um I don't care who wins, but I'm pulling for Miami because they've been such an underdog. This, but I think Denver's going to win their first title. I honestly do.
3: Yeah, it's 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 really hard to discount the Heat because they are they are absolutely. I think mood swing uh, Bell is on this. Probably pick yeah. the Heat just for the sake of resilience. I, I think she's mm-hmm. dead on. Yes, like they're they're the team. Everybody wants to always <laughs> discount, and they show more heart than anybody else. So. I'm not writing them off by any stretch. I think this is going to be a deeper series than what we've seen here in the in the conference finals.
4: Yeah, I don't think uh, it's going to be a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. No, because I don't see either one of these teams folding
3: the the way that especially the way that Boston's folded so far. Um, but but so I I think it will go deep. You know, the thing is with the Lakers, the Lakers played the Heat, uh, uh, the Nuggets. Excuse me. I thought hard in it these did. games. Like LeBron it was did. awesome last night. You know, to, to his credit. And you know, Anthony Davis had some great games. I just think the Nuggets are better.
4: They're just better. I do too. two. Other two. I mean, LeBron had 31 in the first half. Yeah, he was he was great last year. He, he was he was he gave everything he had and then some, and there still wasn't enough. Yeah. You know, and, and what 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 else can I mean, LeBron's thirty eight years old now. Okay. He's not the same LeBron he was. He's still a great player, but he's not that LeBron anymore. Um, and the supporting cast let him down. You know when they needed when he needed the most you know and that last that last attempt as a at a bucket by lebron mm-hmm. in the final second summed up this series you, when he drove the paint yes he tried to go for the layup and they grabbed the ball and he couldn't made a great defensive
3: but, play he done. really did, did. He, why don't you grab a drink man i'll, I'll talk
4: yeah,
3: <laughs> um no i agree with you i i, I think that um if, if you're the Lakers, here's the way you look at this optimistically. You're obviously bummed you just got swept, but they pulled the trigger on that that trade, you know, at the trade deadline, and and after that they started to play much better basketball. I think right, the, right, right. you know I think what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to if he's a free agent they'll let him walk or they'll they'll try and trade him. I'd have to check his contract status, but I don't think D'Angelo Russell's back for them. Um, but Hachimura looks like it's going to be a really good piece for them. And some of the other moves they made, yeah, yeah. The, 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 here's the challenge the Lakers are going to have. Austin Reeves is going to get paid. Oh yes. Oh he's yes. He's paid. Now that that's oh, going to yes. be a problem for
4: them. I, I don't, I don't think he'll get, I, he'll be paid well. I don't yeah. think he'll be paid to the point where it will put a severe cramp in the Lakers finances because right. he's still such a young player, you know, He'll he'll be a wealthy man, but his bigger contract. If he keeps playing like this, his bigger contract will be his next contract. Mm-hmm. He'll get a good contract this time, but he'll get that max contract. Um, whatever he signs for after this, he'll get that max contract then.
3: That, yeah, I agree that's
4: with what you. I think yeah, I agree with
3: you. Um, all right, so the latest on the coaching search, and again, we'll get into this in a little bit. We're going to really dive into Nurse and Budenholzer and Williams and, and all the candidates, but. Um, Sixers are interviewing Nick nurse. He's also a finalist for the, the bucks job as well. Um, and he, Daryl Morey hired him years ago to coach the G league team in Houston. So these guys have familiarity, uh, with one another. So that's, I, I view that as a positive cause I, yeah, I want this guy I'd like to see. Um, the, do you see the Suns are interviewing doc rivers?
4: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I told you. And I said this a couple of weeks ago. I believe Doc Rivers is going to resurface, and he's going to have another job before he's said and done. You know, you look at Doc's Doc's track record. He can get you to the playoffs. He just can't get you over the hump. Mm -hmm. And Phoenix is that team. They can get to the playoffs. They just can't get over that hump. Is Doc Rivers what the Phoenix Suns need? I don't think so. But then again, depending on somewhere where some of these other names go, like Monte Bootenholzer, Nurse, Doc may be the best option of what's left out there. I mean, let's put it, would you rather have Doc or D'Antoni? Doc. There you go. See what I mean? So depending on where the other top names go, you might have to take the best of what's left, mm-hmm. which means you'll have a coach who can get you to the playoffs but can't get you past a certain
3: that's away. the thing,
4: though, Derek. Like, And
3: I feel like that's sort of where we are at the Sixers, period. But,
4: you know, like, Doc's track
3: record is awful it is. in the postseason. It's it awful is. in Game 7s and clinching games. I don't know how owners just keep overlooking that. It's not a coincidence at this point.
4: But when you have a Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin, Kevin uh, Durant, are you going to bring a young, untested assistant coach in there to, to – to, to try to lead that team. I mean, Boston did it with him, and it worked out for them. The coach they have now worked out for him, you know, to a certain point, but he's about to hes about to go home and and, and uh, secure his tee times in golf. But, you know, the NBA is so unlike the NFL. The NFL is all about let's give an up-and-coming assistant a chance to coach a team. The yeah. NBA does a lot of recycling old coaches. It's true. Yeah, you're right. You know? mm-hmm. And that's why I think Doc is going to be coaching again b- b- sooner rather than later. And I think he could very well end up in Phoenix considering what what would be left over, I, I, yeah. in all honesty. I think that's where he can end up.
3: Yeah, it, I don't, the, the problem you have in Phoenix is it, it's like Durant and Booker and then there's a lot of questions there, you know, and Chris Paul's yeah. future is very yeah. much up in the air, you know, what's going to end up happening there. So there, there's a lot of questions to be asked there and, and, and to be had. Uh, beyond that, so one of the big things, and we'll get into this with Jimmy Kemsky though, Derek, the Thursday night NFL flex. This to me, like I'm all for, I always want the best matchups and nobody wants to see what happened last year on Thursday night where it was a lot of garbage. Okay. Yep. I mean, frankly. Yep. And we, we, we talked about this before. Yes. You and I will watch because we're just, that's what we do. But, and we love it, but the matchup stunk. However, <clears throat> this to me, you're in it, you're in a real danger zone here with what they're considering doing here with this. It's tough on the fans. It's tough on the players. And it's it's uh I don't know, man. I i, I don't love it. And now the, the games that are in question that could be flexed are weeks thirteen through seventeen. Right. Seahawks at the Cowboys, Patriots at the Steelers, Chargers at the Raiders, Saints at the Rams, Jets at Cleveland. They're the they're the games.
4: I, I'm gonna be honest with you. And I looked at those matchups last night and all of them are pretty good matchups.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. As on paper, now they are. Yes. Yeah,
4: yeah, know yeah, Based on what we know about these teams from last year and some of the changes they've made, those are pretty good matchups. I, I don't know why the NFL would even consider this. Now, also, if they don't use this flex this year to carry over to 2024, that's right. Yeah. Um, how can you do that to fans? You know how how can how can you? Think about this, Rob. There are a lot Sunday of Sunday to Thursday. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. Well, not only that, but there are a lot of fans that make their planning now as a quick weekend getaway to a city they've never been, a right. warm weather environment, um, and you put in for that time because if you don't, somebody else in your office or your company or factory is going to beat you to it. And what's going to happen? Because airlines now. They don't give you your money back. They give you credit. Not the way it used to be. No, no, you don't get your money back for the most part. You Mm -hmm. get credit now for something else you may want to do. But a fan who who saves, scrimps and saves, wants to go to that game, that city, that environment to enjoy the ambiance, the food, the nightlife for a three-day weekend, you're going to get screwed. Yeah, You're going to get flat-out screwed if your game is flexed because – you're going to have to adjust your flight. And on top of that, a lot of airlines charge you a fee if you have to, to move flights now. I know. It's bad enough you're paying these astronomical prices for a flight. Now they're going to charge you a fee because it's, even if though it's not your fault, an additional fee? I, I don't understand. And 24 owners voted for this. I know. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Mara, uh, the Giants owner,
3: was yeah. adamant, like yep. vehemently against it. Uh, saying it's unfair to our fans you know etc he he went public like he was not playing around so but they they got the minimum Derek that's they had they would you say 24 right that was the yep. minimum that they could yep. get to get it passed um so the, the way it works it, it's a little it's not really complicated so um it starts in 23 as you mentioned can can flip a Sunday afternoon to a Thursday. Uh, you must file 28 days in advance, basically a month. And then it affects weeks 13 through 17 is the way that it, it's, it's going to shake itself out. So, um, yeah, we'll see. You know, I mean, it, it, it'll probably make for better games. I think about people who might have like a wedding or something like that. And they're just yeah, they get screwed, you know,
4: you know, sometimes 28 days is not enough to adjust when you're competing against co-workers for vacation slots. Yeah. You know, 28 day adjustment, man, that doesn't leave you a lot of time to adjust on the fly. You know, and then on top of that, you have to you have to give up a hotel accommodation unless you have family in that area. Mm -hmm. And then you're trying to get a decent hotel at a decent rate at the city that's been flexed to. Oh, I'm sorry. We're all booked up, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're losing out in a lot of ways. But. The NFL, they keep talking about how you know we are we are concerned about the fans and all this stuff. And what about the players? What about adjusting yeah, right. the players on the fly like that, dude?
3: Yeah, I know that. Well, that's the other part. Like they, the league wants to do the preaching safety kind of thing, like they always talk about. And you're going to ask these guys, like, to maybe they just finished a one o'clock game, and, and all of a sudden it gets flexed. It, it's it's tough. It is. It's really tough. Um, we'll see. You know, I don't know. I, I understand to an extent they're trying to give you the best product they could possibly give you. And, right, right. And I think I think because we all recognize, and let's face it, Al Michaels didn't bite his tongue about this, how bad some of the matchups were last year. They're, they're kind of like going overboard. Horrendous, yeah. Make some of the national games. I'm talking Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, whatever. They, they want to make sure that these are good games. So I appreciate that mm. part of it, but it's tough. It is. It's tough to do to the players. Talk to the fans more than anything else. And,
4: and and people will will complain and gripe, and yet the stadiums will still be sold out. Somehow, some way they'll be sold out. The teams will make their money off these games. They'll get their TV revenue no matter what. Mm-hmm. Merchandise concessions will still flow freely. You know. Um tough line, baby. It's tough, tough, man. Line. Dude, they, the NFL has a lot of internal issues. Um but when it comes to the product on the field and making money, they are second to none. And they will force you to adjust on the fly as they're going to do this year. I can't wait to see how they handle this. And I can't wait to see how teams respond. If you're that team that's supposed to be playing, and all of a sudden you get flexed to a Thursday night, yeah. I can't wait to see how that plays out with the players. Yep. Because yep. what about the safety concern for the players? Yeah, exactly. Wear and tear, you know? Yep. Um, and I'm sure they talked about this. They allegedly are taking this into consideration, but the bottom line is, like you just said, we want the best matchups. We want the highest ratings. And let's face it, now that Amazon Prime is a part of their family, TV family, they want those numbers to go through the roof. Mm-hmm. So if they get get a better game on a Thursday night, and I'm sure they look at the numbers of the games and how inconsistent they were a season ago yeah. Considering how many bad matchups they had, there's a lot of strategy behind this. No if doubt, they see the numbers go through the roof. They'll they'll, they'll listen to the players, great, right. But if it works, they're not going to change it one bit down the road. I hear you. All
3: right, let's get a uh, let's get a quick timeout. We'll come back, Jimmy Kempsey's going to join us from the Philly Voice. We will talk Eagles. We will talk. We'll hit his get his thoughts on the flex thing, on the third quarterback uh, rule change that has come into play. A uh, little update on the Eagles' first preseason game. We'll look at the depth. Are they better on paper? who's the chief uh, rival here in the NFC. We'll dig into all of that. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you right now about our good friends at Bravo Pizza. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, uh, thrilled, thrilled to have them uh, as a part of the family here. Literally been going there. Since I was a kid, they've been family-owned since 1985. Alex and his crew open seven days a week. They're just flat-out awesome. Um, The great thing is all the food is fresh and made daily. None of that sitting under a heat lamp stuff, just reheated stale stuff. No. Bravo offers 20 different styles of pizza on a daily basis. They have slices to go also. But what I I love is the you-name-it-will-make-it. That's right. Specialized pizza your way. You call up. You have a special request. They will make it. They will get you what you need. Uh, they don't just do pizza, by the way. Fresh pasta, wings, salads, sandwiches. It's all there. Bravo Pizza is also committed to the community. They do fundraisers, charities for schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. They're doing that stuff every day, every week. They're always trying to give back. You could follow them at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown on Facebook or Instagram. That's where you can grab some daily specials, some promotions. You can see their work by the way, 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania, 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown, PA. Give them a call, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Right, Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network on this Tuesday. Hope you are doing well. Appreciate you hanging with us. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. Excited to talk to our next guest. We haven't uh, spoken to Jimmy in a little bit, uh really since uh, predating the draft. So we got a lot of ground to cover with him. He does an awesome job, Eagles writer for Philly Voice. You can follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kevsky. James, what's going on, my man? Going
6: so on. Uh, uh, <laughs> <blah, blah, laughs> apparently, uh I'm good. How are you?
3: Jim, have you been spending time well, on the, uh, on the sun? I mean, what, what is, you're, whoa, you're a I little have red, been, buddy.
6: Yeah. Uh, been, uh, trying to enjoy the nice weather here, getting out like running walking stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, there are some days where I forget to bring or to put on sunscreen and, uh, this is the result. <laughs> I hear you.
3: I'm see-through so I can appreciate it. Me. Um, so I, I wanted to hit a couple of things. Derek and I were just kicking this around uh, prior segment before you jumped on. What do you think about the flex thing now on uh, with 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 Thursday night football? I hate it. Yeah, I, <laughs> thank, thank um, you. You can have the floor. Go ahead.
6: Well, I mean, from a selfish from a selfish perspective, I mean, I'm looking to book my travel for the year yeah. now. Like right around now is when I could. It's the cheapest you're going to get flights and stuff like that. And you know, to find out in November that a game in December is going to now move from Sunday to Thursday. That's not easy to change a lot of times. And if you have kids and you have whatever, and mm-hmm. and again, this is just from a selfish perspective. I mean, there are people that are, you know, maybe planning on going to you know one road when i whenever I fly to road games, those planes are packed with Eagles yep. fans. Out of Philly, I fly out of Newark pretty often. They're always packed with Eagles fans out of Newark. And there are a lot of, I mean, anytime I go to an opposing stadium, usually in my hotel around the stadium, Eagles fans all over the place. So they absolutely travel. And, you know, I think a lot goes into those trips, then, you know, setting, setting aside that time to, to go out and, 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 you know, travel out to the West coast or whatever it is like this year, they're going to be playing in Seattle in December. I imagine that's going to be a popular trip that could very well get flexed in the Thursday night, you know? Mm -hmm. So to have to, you know, force people to scramble and change their plans and all that, and I understand it. Like Amazon paid the NFL a lot of money to have a better, to, you know, to to have these Thursday night games. And I just like the NFL to kind of just be honest and say, look, they paid us a lot of money to have these games. We kind of have to give them good ones. We don't, we can't guarantee that at the beginning of the year. And frankly, we care more about their money than people that buy tickets to go to the game. So that's what it is, and that's, that's clearly what it is here is they care more about Amazon's money than they do about people that buy tickets to actually attend games in the stadium. Mm-hmm.
4: Jimmy, were you surprised that the that the owners had the majority vote they needed like right out of the gate? Because when you listen to Tamara from New York, the, the Giants, yeah. I thought there would be more owners that would, would be on his side. I thought there would be a, more of a split, that this would be something that they would – kind of reviewed down the road again maybe at the next owner's meeting i was shocked that they got 24 votes mm-hmm. right out of the gate for this they got the exact minimum they needed right which was 24 and Lori, jeffrey
6: lorry was one of the owners that voted for it so it'll be interesting to see if there's a competitive advantage for some team down the line and fans and reporters for those teams can say had our own had the owner of of the, you know your team voted against this they would not have this competitive disadvantage right now as a result of this game being flexed from sunday into thursday but i'm with you usually when you make a change like this kind of gets batted you know around a little bit before yeah. it finally passes but you're right it passed on the first try and uh it's a little disappointing uh, i think that uh, you know Jeffrey Laurie voted in favor of this.
3: Now the other one, uh, Jim, and you know uh, uh, it's it's clearly the, the I'm going to call it the Forty Nine er rule uh, <laughs> yeah. is the uh, the third quarterback thing here because uh, it really uh, since the second that game ended the the crying and whining I mean you it, it's a river I, I yeah. mean it's insanity it's Noah's Ark um, but they did get it passed I think in large part because of their complaints sure look i'm fine with it ultimately but let, let's call it what it is if that game doesn't happen that way there's no way this rule gets passed right
6: the rule is fine like i don't have a problem with the rule to add the emergency quarterback thing to it and you don't want to have what happened in that game happen but you're right i mean had they not whined and complained for the past four months it probably wouldn't have. and like i think a, a counter argument to this would be oh the lions were the ones that per- that prepared that proposed this rule change. come on give me a break the impetus for this rule change was you know what happened to it. you know not to the 49ers but what happened in that game with the they they couldn't block the Eagles pass rush they couldn't protect their quarterback protecting the quarterback is kind of a big deal in the NFL and they couldn't do it the quarterbacks kept taking hits two of them got knocked out they didn't have any left and that's how games can go sometimes it's rare. But if you can't protect your quarterback, you're at the risk of having, you know, your guys get hurt. And that's what happened. And, you know, um, I don't think anyone outside of San Francisco feels all, th- well, I guess that's maybe not true. I've seen a lot of support for, for like, you know, how that game might've gone differently had those quarterbacks not gone down on the national level, uh, which I don't agree with. I think the Eagles pretty much dominated that game. Uh, but in terms of that, that rule change, it's funny just how it kind of went down because you look back at 2019 when Carson Wentz got speared by Jadavion He got concussed, got knocked out of that game. Josh McCown goes in, tears a hamstring. Normally you have to come out of that game, but they didn't have anyone left, so they had to play through that game on one leg. They lost that game. Like they got nothing going on offense, of course, just like the 49ers got nothing going on offense against the Eagles. Eagles lost that game. It was actually kind of had a little bit more of a right to complain about that game because they lost the quarterback on a cheap shot. Yeah. Like you didn't hear them complain at all. No. There was nope. no rule change as a result of that game. They lost, you know, basically two quarterbacks got hurt and they lost the game as a result of it. And they didn't complain about it. They just went out and they drafted Jalen Hurts and they got back to the, and they got ultimately got back to the Super Bowl.
3: Well, let me just real quick gunner on, on that. Just to follow up the, I like to me, if I'm John Lynch, I, I'm, I'm talking to Kyle Shanahan. I'm like, dude, enough. Like, we, yeah, you, you got to stop publicly because, you know, he's he's the king of this. It, it is every it's Debo and it's everybody else, too. Yeah, but he's every turn he gets. He, he cries about it. It's like you got to move on, man. It's embarrassing.
6: It took him a little while because at first it was Debo and it was Brandon Ayuk and Jimmy Ward and Christian McCaffrey. They're they're, they're like their best players really were the ones doing the most complaining about it. And then uh, at at one point I I started wondering, you know, at what point does Kyle Shanahan step in and say, yo, shut up guys. Like (laughs) enough already. Like the game's over. We lost. Let's let's focus on the future. And then sure enough, uh, Kyle Shanahan started kind of chiming in on, on the complaints. And it's like, okay, well, he doesn't care about the players complaining about it because he believes in all that nonsense too. And even um, uh, John Lynch has – yeah, I mean, he hasn't sounded quite as complainy, but certainly he uh, – during I think it was during the NFL Combine he was mentioning about how the NFL needed to implement uh, the emergency quarterback rule. So, you know, yeah. what ha- – uh, the phrase, the phrasing, I don't, I don't remember if it was him specifically or not, but like what happened to them? It's not what happened to them. You yeah, <laughs> don't put a tight end on Hassan Redick. How about that? Right. right. So it's just uh, they've sort of escaped accountability uh, for a lot of things that happened in that game, namely, you know, having Tyler Croft try to block Hassan Redick. Uh, not challenging the the uh, the incomplete pass to what should have been in, 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 anyway, an inc- the incomplete pass to Devonte Smith mm-hmm. made a lot of mistakes in that game from a coaching standpoint, and uh he sort of dodged accountability for that stuff, and and maybe placed a little more blame on the NFL not having that emergency quarterback rule. Well, by the way, they didn't even, they didn't even have. uh a, Excuse me, I don't know. If, am I good? Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. that yeah. <laughs> must be a head headphone thing. I lost myself for a while for no, a minute we got there. You. Um, well, I forget what I was saying. Uh, there now. They didn't even
3: have a third.
6: Oh, they didn't even have a third quarterback on their. Not even like forget their 53 man roster. They didn't even have one on their practice squad. Right. So even if they, there was a rule for them to be able to have an emergency quarterback, they didn't even have one on their, on their, like, I guess what 70 something man roster. Mm-hmm.
4: Hey, so, so Jimmy, how do you address the game day roster now? Do, do you know? Do you have a forty-seven man game day roster? I mean, because if you have a third quarterback now that you have that leeway, you yeah. you could be taking away a rotational position that's vital to your team, whether it's a corner, a safety, a edge rusher, an offensive lineman. How do you think they address the game day roster now? So the way the rule is set up is you still send in your
6: inactives as normal, uh, you know, an hour and a half before game time, and then if one of your inactives is quarterback that player can be your emergency quarterback so you don't have to take another guy off the field it's just an added position uh that that can essentially dress on game day so actually from the eagles perspective it's a good rule for for them because they all they usually have three quarterbacks on their 53-man roster like even on a stacked roster last year Ian Book was on their 53 man roster the entirety of the season. He never, they never needed him. They never had to play or anything like that. But he remained on the 53 man roster every week. Uh, was only, I mean, he was inactive every week except for the games that Jalen Hurts didn't play. And he was the backup to Gardner Minshew. But yeah, from the Eagles perspective, this is a good role for them because they like to keep three quarterbacks anyway. And of course, uh, you know, this year it'll be Jalen Hurts and, and Marcus Mariota who are active. And then, uh, whoever wins the quarterback battle between Ian Book and, uh, their six round draft pick Tanner McKee, they'll have, a, they'll have a camp battle. Whoever wins that, you know, number three quarterback job will be the emergency quarterback on Sunday. So it's, it's actually a rule that, that is, uh, uh, ironically favorable, uh, to the Eagles going forward.
3: And, and to mm. be clear, it it's, it can only, you can only tap into that third guy. If there's injuries, this can't be, Oh, my, my starters correct. And my backup isn't playing well. You can't do it that way. It's gotta be the guy's out and not coming back. That's Correct. The, the
6: only difference back. is from back in the day um, in terms of like what, what you're talking about there is like, so they, they have the emergency quarterback up until 2011 and then they abolished, they didn't abolish it so much. They just said that extra roster spot you can just use on anyone. You, like the, Let's just get rid of the emergency quarterback rule. You can use that roster spot on any position you want. Um, but the way that it worked then was if you put your emergency quarterback in The first two guys could not re enter the game. That was it. They're done. So this time around, you can two guys two guys have to get hurt and then Mm. you can put your emergency quarterback in. But if a a player who gets hurt is deemed fine to play again at some point, that guy is allowed to go back in. Okay. Mm. Okay. It's good clarification there. Yeah, for sure.
3: Um, So let's dig into this, Jim. You know, we, we have a a good handle. We know how we will always make moves getting close to the regular season, but Mm -hmm. we have a pretty decent handle on what the roster is going to look like. Um, Just from a roster standpoint, is it they better on paper or, or worse? A little bit of a step back. What do you think?
6: I think it's a little step back. I mean, you can make an argument that they could potentially, I think it's obviously a really good roster still. Uh, probably the, uh, not probably it is clearly the best roster in the NFC. I think it's one of the most season ready rosters in the NFL. They have some holes like linebacker. I think it's a little shaky. Um, you don't know what you're going to get out of Kobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow's your, you know, projected starters there. And you don't have much depth behind those guys. Uh, I think they've done a good job, uh, at other positions like at safety. They brought in a, an experienced vet in Terrell Edmonds. Uh, they go out and they draft Sidney Brown, who I think the team is pretty excited about. You have Reed Blankenship coming back. Uh, but you can make the argument that, you know, they could be potentially worse along the offensive line because you lose Isaac Sayamalo, and now you have Cam Jurgens and, and a rookie in Tyler Steen com- competing for that right guard spot. Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson are each going to be a year older. You could potentially be worse uh, along the defensive line. Of course, you, you draft Jalen Carter. to be Defensive tackle is a position that, you know, can take a while for guys to kind of get their sea legs and, and become good players, uh, which, you know, I think we sort of equate that to the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. We can always kind of equate that to defensive tackle too. Mm-hmm. Like the, the opposite of that would be like a running back where they can come in and, and, and play re- well right away. So we'll see what, what, what becomes of Jalen Carter, but the loss of Javon Hargrave uh, on the interior of the defensive line, let, let's be honest, that hurts. He was a beast last year. Uh, you could ar- make the argument maybe that they could be a little bit worse at corner again for the s- similar premise at offensive line. In that you know Darius Slay is is going to be 33 in January. Uh, James Bradbury is going to turn 30 uh, at some point during the season, so those guys will be a year older. Uh, they and of course the injury luck that they had last year was really just incredible. They had everyone available, every every player available for the Super Bowl, which is just kind of unheard of. So it, it's uh, almost uh, sort of a fool's errand to to you know, assume that they're going to have that same kind of luck again. But it's a good roster. I mean, obviously, they're, they're, they're stacked with players that are, you know, all pro, pro bowl caliber, at least, you know, 10 to 12 guys that you can kind of put in that category. And uh, like like I said, they're very clearly the best team in the NFC heading into the season.
4: Jimmy, you, you were talking about the cornerbacks. And, you know, when we talk about the cornerbacks, the one game, the one player we don't mention enough is Greedy Williams. Yeah. You know, he's a pretty good cornerback. And how do you think they're going to use him? Do you think he'll play possibly safety and corner? Will he be like a Swiss Army knife, like a Malcolm Jenkins? How do you think they'll utilize this skill set?
6: Yeah, he's a tough one to kind of figure out how they'll use him because well, I, I think he's pretty much an outside corner, really. And mm. you look at their cornerback position, just the personnel they have there. I think you have five guys. I don't know. I don't know that Greedy Williams is a lock to make the roster. Uh, really? I'm with you, yeah. I don't <laughs> think he's a lock. He's got great size. He's six two. He runs a 4 three, 7 so that's a good start from, from, from a cornerback right off the bat. But you have Slay, you got Bradbury, you got Maddox. There's, you know, your top three guys. You got Keeley Ringo, who's very clearly going to make the team. You have uh, Zach McPherson, who has, at a minimum, you know, made himself into a good special teams player. Hasn't really gotten the opportunity to play much because Slay and Bradbury have stayed healthy. And then Josh Job made the team last year uh, as an undrafted rookie free agent. Uh, to be determined if he can, you know, crack the roster again in in this season. So there's six guys right there that I just named. And I don't know if you can keep a seventh. So Greedy Williams will have to beat out at least, you know, one of those guys. He had a rough season in 2022. So he, he lost playing time because he's playing behind Denzel Ward, and uh i uh, forget that greg Newsom, who they who the browns took in the first round Yep. so he his, his playing time was cut just because he was playing behind you know two first round picks um and when he did get a chance to play he's only targeted like he had fewer than 100 snaps on the season i believe i think he had like 70 something coverage snaps mm-hmm. got targeted eight times gave up uh seven completions like 150 yards something like that two touchdowns Oof. so he got roasted <laughs> when they try and actually the one in completion that they that went his way i just i just did a uh just this morning it's funny you mentioned him i just did a film breakdown of him that's i'm publishing like on this weekend so like i already well i just watched all these targets this morning uh the one in completion that he you know that the, the one pass that, that was incomplete on him really should have been a pass interference. Like he got dusted by T Higgins. He just grabbed him and somehow they didn't call it, uh, but it should have been pass interference. So I don't know. He's, he's, he's got everything you want in terms of traits in that he's big and he's fast and he's got like a high round pedigree. He was a former second round pick of the Browns. Uh, but I do think that uh, it's, it's not a guarantee he makes the roster. He's going to have to, he's going to have to beat out one of those six guys that I mentioned for a job.
3: Wow. Uh, well, yeah. Wow. That That's, that's a, uh... That's pretty deep stuff, there, Jim. That's good. Good work <laughs> out of you. Uh, so, a couple other things I, I wanted to hit you with. If, if I said to you, by the end of the regular season, the Eagles' best
6: defensive tackle will be, how would you finish that sentence? Oof. Yeah. So, uh, when they re-signed Fletcher Cox uh, to ten million, I thought that was a little bit of an overpay. Certainly, it was an overpay last year when they gave him fourteen. But I can kind of see why they did that now that I've now that we've seen the roster sort of shape up because. The other five interior defensive linemen that they have are all really young. So Milton Williams is 24, um, Jalen Carter's 22, uh, Jordan Davis is 20. Or Jalen Carter might even be 21. Whatever, he's a rookie. J- J- Jordan Davis is second year guy, 22. Moro um, Ojomo, who they took in the uh, in the seventh round, is whatever 21, I believe. Uh, anyway, all these guys, even like Marlon tui you know he's going into his third year. He's 24. So you have all these really young guys. Fletcher Cox is the only player on this team uh, at, you know, along the interior defensive line who is like a proven veteran at this point. So you don't know what you're going to get out of all these young players. Like Jordan Davis, I, in my opinion, sort of had like a, a – de- like he, he had his season kind of derailed uh, midseason when he got hurt against the Steelers. He got an in- ankle injury. He was starting to play better at that point. And then he comes back. Val Joseph uh, has, you know, kind of taken over his role as the run-stuffing, you know, yeah. nose tackle on early downs. Uh, they had signed Indomik and Sue when Marlon Tulipolo two goes down. So you don't know really know what what you're what you're definitely going to get out of these younger players. So I think the, I mean, I think the most important player along the interior defensive line is once again Fletcher Cox, mm-hmm. and we can see that his career is, you know, in decline at this point. But again, he he is like the one guy that you kind of know what you're going to get from that interior defensive line spot. And and I think, uh, you know, your expectations for the young guys to come out and perform are high, but it's no guarantee that they will.
4: Hey, hey Jimmy, I'm with you on one thing you mentioned earlier. I don't know what we're going to get out of the linebacking play. I mean, yeah. you know, Nicholas Morrow, okay. N'Kobe Dean, obviously. You know, we know he excelled at the collegiate level, but as yep. we also know, a lot of times it, it takes their college – superstar to make a trans get gradual transition to the pro ranks. And this is a team that had problems defending the middle of the field in the <laughs> passing game all last season long. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when you look at the wealth of quarterbacks, they're facing this year, the Patrick Mahomes, the yeah. Josh Allen, and so forth, so on and so forth. Th- that's going to be an intriguing position to watch to see how that thing unfolds.
6: Yeah. uh Nekobi Dean, you know, heading into training camp last year, like I thought he had a chance to start and then it became really clear early in camp that like TJ Edwards was by far their best linebacker. And then Kaiser yep. White was yep. making plays in training camp and it was clear yep. that Kobe Dean was going to start, you know, Dean for what he is, um, like the, the player that he was in Georgia. Yep. He was just the smartest player on the field uh, at the collegiate level not big I mean, he's a he's a smaller linebacker of course and he doesn't have good athleticism relative to you know other mm-hmm. nfl linebackers so until he's sort of the smartest guy on the field like he was in georgia he's going to have trouble being effective now so his you know transition from being you know just a special teams guy in 2022 to becoming mm-hmm. potentially the green dot guy the guy that has like the the defensive coordinator in his ear and is getting everyone lined up pre-snap, it's a big jump to go from, you know, basically not playing in the regular defense at all to to being like the guy who's, you know, co- you know co- communicating with uh, the defensive coordinator all game. Yep. Yep. We'll see. Um, but, I, you know, he's a really smart kid, and we'll see if he can make that mental leap uh, from last year into this year. And he's a really, really key player for them this year that's kind of flying under the radar a little bit, I think, once we get, kind of get around to training camp. And we see how he's playing. Um, maybe some of the concerns about the linebacker position are alleviated a little bit, but if he doesn't take a big leap forward, then I think that's going to be a big, they're not done adding to that spot, by the way. Like they only, right, they right. only have four linebackers really on the roster. It's they have crazy. six total, but two of those guys aren't going to make it. Like Davion Taylor, I've pretty much given up on at this point. And they have an undrafted guy who uh, he's going to, you know, they could maybe develop him down the line, but their four linebackers right now are Dean Morrow uh, Sean Bradley who's just he didn't play Sean Bradley played zero snaps In the regular yeah, defense right, last year yeah, special right. Just team a lot of time only. period yeah. and then Christian Ellis who is good on special teams but like Come on so like they're going to Add another linebacker at some point that, that can Play in the, in the regular defense to be determined If that's a starting caliber player or just sort Of another depth guy Hmm Jim, do you expect
3: the other side just to hit the ground running
6: offensively? I
3: know you mentioned Samalo and that. Yeah. I don't want to minimize that, but still, there's tons of talent on that side.
6: Oh, now, yeah, how good
3: sure. are they? Are they better in your estimation, do you think? Or will yeah. They be better? We'll,
6: we'll see how much better even Jalen Hurts can get right. from, from last year into this year. will become, you know, the, his pol- the polish to his game is only going to keep getting better and better. <gasps> um, the concern for him will be get down, man. Like, yeah. unless it's like a high leverage situation, yeah. you know, make sure you're, you're staying healthy, get out of bounds, slide, whatever you got to do, because, you know, the kind of money that they're paying him now, you can't afford to get that guy hurt, obviously. But A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, there's just so much star power, um, you know, in the passing game. And then obviously it's the best offensive, even with the loss of Isaac Samalo, it's still very clearly the best offensive line in the NFL. And I'm kind of interested to see how this running back rotation comes along, too, because you trade for DeAndre Swift during the draft you sign who I think is an like an awesome running back in Rashad Penny with the huge caveat when healthy, because man, like his injury history is insane. Lengthy. But when he plays, he is awesome. Like he averaged, you know, 6.1 yards per carry before he broke his leg last year. He's a 220 pound like power back, but who can also run away from defensive backs when he gets into the open field. So the way that I look at it is I feel like DeAndre Swift is a more talented running back than Miles Mm -hmm. Sanders, but with a similar caveat as Rashad Penny, can he stay healthy? And then I think Rashad Penny is also a more talented back than Miles Sanders. Can you have those two guys combined be more durable than Miles Sanders? And if you can, I think that that's the one position on this roster that you look at and you go, that could be a big upgrade if those two guys, you know, can, the, the two of them combined if they can stay healthy. And then of course you have Kenny Gainwell who, who made a step forward last year and Boston Scott is always around to just kind of, you know, haunt the giants.
4: Mm. Well, okay, let me ask you this, Jimmy, who do you think will be the biggest threat to the Eagles in their division this year? Uh, it's the Cowboys. I, you know, it's the think Cowboys. The Cowboys. yeah, I mean, I think, it, I
6: think they're not only the biggest threat to them in the division, but I actually think they're also better than the 49ers. So, mm they made two moves this off that I think will I, that I think are, you know, a huge help to, to some of their deficiencies last year. Um, one being, you know, the, they, they traded for Brandon cooks. They made a big mistake trading Amari Cooper for yep. basically nothing yep. uh, to the Browns. And, you know, they, they made a similar trade to bring Brandon cooks back. If you take those two trades and you kind of, you know, merge them together, it doesn't look great. <laughs> but if you just look at the Brandon cooks, deal uh on it's like in a vacuum it's a i thought it was a good deal and they needed to a guy that could kind of stretch the field because they had yep. cd lamb and they had nothing else like they were hoping michael gallup would be fine coming coming off like a serious injury from the year before he didn't he might be you know a little better this year than he was last year but they really needed a second receiver to kind of take some of the attention away from cd lamb and brandon cooks for all the times that he's been traded over the course of his year, career and there's got to be something to that in terms of his personality or whatever, there, there can't just be nothing where all these teams just keep trading him away. Yeah, really. But there's no doubt that he's talented. He, he puts together productive seasons, you know, year after year after year. So him combined with CD lamb is, 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 is a, you know, it's, it's a big step forward for them. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they, they traded for uh Stefan Gilmore, yeah. who yeah. is still yeah. a really good player. In fact, that even got the attention of uh, a J Brown after they made that trade, a J Brown of course, the Eagles of course faced, the Colts last year who Stefan Gil- Gilmore played for and um, uh, AJ Brown was impressed with him uh after that game and he was like okay now it's on like you know and they traded for, for Stefan Gilmore because they had a hole uh, on at that second cornerback spot uh opposite trayvon Diggs so yeah I think they got stronger both a cornerback and, and wide receiver which were two problem areas for them last year mm. how um,
3: um the McCarthy factor though
6: has got it <laughs> has got to come yeah. into play here right Jim I yeah yeah
3: They move on from Kellen Moore. He's calling the play. There's even more responsibility on him now. We know in big spots, he doesn't always come up big. Like That's the thing I wonder about. You're right about the talent, but is there that McCarthy thing? And and let's face it, Dak, mentally, that was a tough year, man. The amount of pick sixes and interceptions generally for him last year was way up there.
6: Yeah, the McCarthy thing, to start with that, he had some asinine quote (laughs) where he was like, you know, in regard to Kellen Moore, Kellen, all Kellen Moore wanted to do was score points. <laughs> I, you know, I want to, he's like, I want to win games. Well, yeah, okay. That's his job is to score points. Uh, so, you know, he, he wants to win these defensive struggles. He wants to run the ball a lot, it seems. And, and he wants to put the hands, you know, put, put the game in the hands of his defense, which I don't know. It's just not how the NFL is, is kind of, it's not how it goes these days. Uh, but yeah, it's a weird quote by him. And, and I think that, you know he's had some, you know, big mistakes uh, in in big moments in in the playoffs in recent years. Notably that crazy call that he made with uh, you know the the the, the Dak Prescott uh, draw where he, <laughs> he tried to run and slide and get up and spike the ball for another shot and whatever. Um, what was the other part of that question?
3: Um, and Dak, just kind oh, of where Dak, Dak, Dak right. is coming off of the amount of interceptions and, and pick sixes too, which was you know, at a high rate last year.
6: Yeah. I mean, throughout his entire career, he's had stacked offenses, uh, all around him. Um, you know, in the early days he had, when, you know, Zeke, before Zeke Elliott had sort of fallen off a cliff, he, you know, largely carried that offense. Their offensive line was always one of the best in the NFL. Their offensive line has kind of aged and they've lost some guys like, you know, Tyron Smith is certainly not the player he was, uh, you know, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. they lost, uh, Lyle Collins, uh, by, by choice, but uh, you know, he's not there anymore. Um, they, they, you know, they, they've drafted guys along the interior of their offensive line that they, you know, haven't totally panned out. Uh, mm-hmm. Travis Frederick is a guy who who retired at some point during the, those spans and they had stacked wide receiver groups like, uh, you know, the aforementioned Amari Cooper uh, was a big player, big time player for them obviously. So he always had great talent around him. And then heading into last year, I, I thought that that was the worst supporting cast that he had ever had in his career and sure enough he threw a lot of interceptions and you know some of them were in his fault a lot of them you know were, were balls that you know bounced off receivers hands like the one really devastating uh interception that he had was in the Jaguars game I, I don't I think it was overtime or it was certainly late in that game it was basically a walk-off where he threw a pick six in that game and and that actually helped out the Eagles big time because otherwise there'd have been some like really, uh, yeah. you know, like if, if, if Dallas had won that game, like it would the Eagles, you know, the division would have come down to an, an Eagles Dallas game late in that year. Or I forget exactly how that went, but um, and it was a, that was a huge loss for for the Cowboys and and you know, Eagles dodged a bullet by by them having that pick or whatever. But anyway, um, like like I mentioned, I think that the addition of Cooks. It's going to help. I think the actual the the loss of Ezekiel Elliott, assuming they don't bring him back, they they could very well still sign him and bring him back after they cut him. But I think him being gone is a good thing because they were over reliant on him, and he is clearly kind of he's deep into decline. And when you have a guy like Tony Pollard back there, who's more of a like a dual threat, both as a runner and and, and through the air, and more dynamic player at, at you know the stages of of their respective careers. Uh, I think it's a more potent offense this year than it will than than it was last year, and you know a big part of uh, their success obviously is going to be if if Dak can bounce back from his work. I, I thought that was the worst season of his career, mm-hmm. uh, of course, with the worst supporting cast around him in his career.
3: No question. You, but you know, he,
6: he's, but a guy, he, he's a guy. He's yeah. Like he's a guy that you know you can win a Super Bowl with, but you, he, I don't know that he's a guy that you win a Super Bowl because of. Yeah, he, can, that, he that straight carries you. Yeah, right.
4: Yeah. Mm. Hey, 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 Jimmy, we we sit here and we agree in unison that this Eagles offense should be electric. And we also agree that there's a lot of question marks about this defense. And, sure. but is it still, I, and I agree with you 100%. I still think it is the most talented roster in the NFC. Mm-hmm. But is it a 14-win roster when you consider the, the depth of this schedule they face this year? And obviously, <laughs> we just speculate now. But it is a crazy schedule this year. Yeah, it's what, Dallas and
6: then the bye... And then who the they get Yeah, chiefs? Yeah. Chiefs. Bills, and Buffalo.
4: Yeah. Niners. niners.
6: Yeah. Cowboy. And then Cow- Cowboys road. And then Seahawks road. Yeah. You, brutal yeah it's, stretch. It's
3: at chiefs <laughs> home bills, home niners at Cowboys at Seattle home
6: giants. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Those two, those two road games back to back. I think that Seattle game is kind of like a little under the radar in that stretch yeah. of games too. Cause it's at yep. the tail end of it. Mm-hmm. And, you fly to Dallas, you come back, you fly to Seattle, and you play. And that team, like, you know, obviously they don't have Russell Wilson anymore. Russell Wilson, you know, tormented the Eagles mm-hmm. anytime they played them. He's gone and he's not good anymore, really. But, like, but so, like, it's a totally different team that they'll be facing in Seattle. But for whatever reason, they haven't, they, they've lost to that team like seven straight times. Uh, and, and really have always had trouble when, when, whenever they've gone up to Seattle. But having those two road games back to back is at the, at the tail end of that stretch is brutal.
3: Mm-hmm. The last one for me, Jim, I, I think the New England game is going to be more of a challenge than people are chalking mm-hmm. it up to. Yeah. It's sort of like, oh, they stink. And but um, it's the first game. It's there. A lot of time to prep for Belichick, at least early emotions because it's Brady retirement night. Like there's a, mm-hmm. you know, Bill O'Brien factor. Maybe he gets Mac Jones back on track. I think that one's a little tricky.
6: Yeah. You never know what you're going to get sometimes when there's a coaching change uh, during the offseason, you're not certain like what offense they're going to run with the per- like. There's plenty of you know tape on Bill O'Brien for when he coached in the NFL with with yeah. the Texans or whoever. So you have an idea of what he's going to do, but when you ha- when you put him with a totally new set of personnel, you're not totally sure what he's going to do. So it's hard to game plan for guys like that. And conversely, it'll be you know maybe a little more difficult to game plan uh, for them to game plan for a new defensive coordinator and mm. and Sean DeSai. So I don't know. Maybe that evens out or whatever. But their defense is really good New Orleans like they were number three in you know football outsiders DVOA metric uh, a year ago their offense was just awful. Uh, so like you know they, they, they are good on the one side of the ball if they can get th- things figured out and Bill O'Brien can you know work some magic there obviously under Matt you know now Eagles uh, you know, uh, weird, assistant coach. that's a weird hiring. No, <laughs> it really was, uh, with, with, you know, Matt, Matt Patricia was kind of a disaster for them on the offensive mm-hmm. side of the ball last year. So I don't know. We'll see if they're better or not, but, um, yeah, I think when you, when you're talking about playing on the road week one, uh, against the team that is coached by let's, let's be honest. Like, I think that, you know, maybe Bill Belichick's legacy has been hurt a little bit by the success that Tom Brady has had without him mm-hmm. and the lack of success that he has had after Tom Brady left. But let's be honest, like that guy is still obviously one of the best head coaches of all time and have to face that guy week one is, is certainly going to be a challenge.
3: Mm. No question. Well, Good Jim, point. listen, thanks, Good man. Point. We, we always, uh, we always enjoy talking with you and I, I, I read you every day, man. And I, and I tell thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Likewise, follow bro. you on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky and, and does an amazing job uh, for the Philly voice. And, there's all kinds of good stuff. I mean, it, you you like it was earlier this morning you you touched on the emergency quarterback rule, mm-hmm. what it means for the Eagles and you know, always checking out what uh what you have going on. So, Jim, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a couple minutes. Thanks, thank you, Jimmy. All appreciate right. it. Take care. Bro. That's take Jimmy Kepsky, Philly Voice. Uh love catching up with Jimmy. Uh 1:30, Derek, we'll have Ben Davis, uh yep. Philly's uh analyst in both in the booth and in the studio, so we'll catch up with Ben on everything baseball-wise. All right, when we come back, uh oh, by the way, uh at o'clock, and don't think we've forgotten about. We continue the goats, Derek. We go on the defensive side of the ball. I'm Tupac. ready. I'm going to yes. surprise
4: you with one. I know I'm okay. going to surprise you okay. with one.
3: I like it. We go D N D tackle, corner safety, linebacker, greatest to ever play in the NFL. That's going to be fun. Uh, but we'll get into a bunch of other stuff with the NFL at two o'clock. Uh, and like I mentioned, Ben at one30 thirty. We'll come back. We'll, we'll go a little bit harder into the Sixers candidates here for coaches. Okay. Um, Nick Nurse, who's reportedly getting interviewed this week. Mike Budenholzer, Bonnie Williams. If you want to throw Frank Frank Vogel in there, Mike D'Antoni, we'll get into all those guys uh, when we come back. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because finding that right person. Finding that person that you can trust with your hard-earned money uh, that could, in a lot of ways, determine your future is enormous, right? And I found that right person with Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, whether it's 401k review, retirement planning, not really you know, thrilled with your situation with insurance. You might have a small business. And you're trying to get employee benefits off the ground. It's another resource that Jim can help you with. Uh, I know personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover to Jim, and I couldn't be any... Happier. You will be too. Give him a call, 610 996 610 9964751 You could also email him as well, Murray, M U R R A Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot at
1: do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch six ABC twenty four seven with the six ABC Philadelphia streaming app.
4: For the big story on Action News, search six ABC
1: <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit, and the hits. Go for the stakes, and the stakes.
5: up
3: everybody thanks for hanging out with us he's the gun i am r ellis we are hanging with you on this tuesday and i see everybody in the chat section what's up guys appreciate everybody streaming everybody listening all right gunner uh a little sixers here and you know we sit here and you're in that kind of uh that that you know limbo land where we are not not sure what's going to happen you know with this team in terms of the coaching search and Doc Rivers out. If you didn't hear uh, a little bit earlier, he's going to interview in Phoenix. Um, so we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. By the way, I, I don't know how much you have been paying attention to that owner
4: out there in Phoenix. He's a bit of a whack job, man. My man's a little strange. It seems like every sport has one Indianapolis in the NFL, Phoenix and the NBA. There's always one in every group do, um, yeah. but you're right. Um, if I was part of that organization, I'd want to get away far away from there as possible.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know. I, I think I would too. Jeez. All right. So what we're hearing at least, and, and who knows if there isn't a dark horse here, or somebody we're not talking about, whatever that may, may be involved. Cause there usually is. We're hearing Nick nurse. We're hearing Mike Budenholzer. We're hearing Monty Williams. We're hearing Frank Vogel. We're hearing Mike D'Antoni. Those are the names that are being bandied about now. You had up close and personal knowledge of Budenholzer over the last whatever it's been. How, how long was he there? About five years. Five years, Um yep. So let, let's. I want to start there, Derek, because you you keep a close eye on the Bucks because you grew up in the, in the Milwaukee area. What, is he someone you would like to see come here as the Sixer? He did win a championship, um, but it didn't end particularly well. The you know the last couple of years.
4: Well, the biggest knock on him at times is strategy when to call timeouts, when when to stop a team's flow. You know, three times in five years, the Bucks finished as the one seed in the East, and they bowed out in the first-round semis and conference finals. Now, they won the title a couple of years ago, and back then the rumor was if he didn't go deep into the playoffs, he was gone then, the year they won the championship. So he bought two years by winning the championship, but obviously caught up to him this year. Hmm. And he admitted that, that one game – where it went to overtime against Miami. He should have called a timeout. He admitted that himself to give the Bucs a better shot at winning that game, and he didn't, and it cost him down the stretch. He's a player's coach. The offense does run through Giannis, but he lets his dudes he, – he gives his, his guys freedom to, to throw it up. You know, the Bucs were one of the top three-point shooting teams for several years. That team was loaded with three-point shooters. It's, it's kind of like a a, a Miami-Boston team. they play great defense he emphasizes defense but he also emphasizes getting a collection of dudes that can hit the bullseye from beyond the arc um i think he's a good candidate here i don't know how the sixers feel about him but i do think he's one of the better candidates out there to come in here and coach this team Hmm.
3: okay Uh, it's it's i would say this if i'm ranking if i had to rank the way i would like to see it nurse would be number one okay I, I do really like Chris Quinn of Miami, but it feels like he's not even consideration, but uh, I'll throw his name out there. But it would it, I would go Budenholzer of the, the ones that seem realistic, and Monty Williams kind of a toss-up. At least Budenholzer has the edge in that he won one. I thought Monty Williams got really screwed in Phoenix, uh, so I wouldn't have a problem with Monty Williams either. It seems like they don't have a ton of interest there. We'll see. He played here and coached here. Mm-hmm. Frank Vogel's a name that's being thrown out there. He did win it in the bubble with the Lakers um and he's he done you know did a nice job in indiana when he was there also i don't want any parts of dan tony he would be my least favorite uh of the hires right you look at nurse you know nurse won one he won it the year when they knocked the sixers out and Kawhi leonard hit that shot and then Kawhi, Kawhi leonard walks in free agency and goes to the to the clippers but if you look at what he followed that year up they were 53 and 19 they were very right. good the next year and he won coach right. of the year that year in fact i feel like More of his downfall in Toronto was just losing pieces, important pieces,
4: and he was the fall guy. Yeah, he was he was the fall guy. You know, when he had the pieces, they were a good team. You know, when when you let the pieces go, how much? What do you expect the coach to do? If you're not giving them the same type of talent to compete, what do you want them to do? You know, um, players love playing for him. Yeah, Um, he, he he just didn't get it done. Um, I think he's the kind of coach who's a good fit for a team that's ready to go to that next level. I don't think you want to put him with a team that's in a rebuilding mode. Right. And I think depending on what happens with the 76ers team, if they can if they can somehow tweak the roster just a little bit more, this is this is a team that could be right there again. But you know, we talked about the problems yesterday with this team. You know, are you keeping Harden long-term? We both agree we don't want that. Yeah. If you don't keep Harden, what do you get? What are you going to get in return for him, whether it's on the free agent market or a trade? You know, it may not be anything close to what Harden, Harden was. You know, I mean, he, had, he did have the capability of giving you 35, 45 points a night, mm-hmm. but he wasn't consistent enough. The next night he'd give you eight points, you know, three, three of 11 shooting. 0 for six from beyond the arc. You need somebody with more consistency. Is that type of player out there on the trading block? I don't. I don't with know. With limited funds, with you know, limited you can, funds. Yeah, you know? that's the problem. I don't yeah. know, man. I don't know if you can do that. But well, the, the I, I thing, like Nurse. I'm a Nurse fan. Yeah. Uh,
3: the you know Keith Pompey came out with that with the this was like Thursday or Friday that there was a real interest from the Rockets. It's not just Harden's camp pumping this up to try to get more out of the sixers and we talked about this yesterday too derek and and while i i trust 100 trust keith's reporting i just i don't know that i buy that on the harden part like and, and then brian winhorse said today nba insider for espn that he does think that that harden's camp is just trying to jack this thing up and 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 build the interest level from around the league to get the Sixers to get this to, to the four years or yeah, four years, 200 million, which, you know, I mean, I, and I, and, and I'm just afraid that Daryl Morey is, can't be objective when it comes to James Harden specifically.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where we are. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I, and I, and I get a feeling that James has more clout with Morey than, than obviously Embiid does because of their relationship and that's, that's a bad thing because it could cloud his decision. And if you give James Harden that max, I think it's going to hurt you more so than it's going to help you in the long run. Yes. Because you're going to be so severely handcuffed. How are you going to make the roster better? Even if you get rid of a Tobias Harris, how are you going to make the roster better? Mm-hmm. And if you're not making the roster better, it's going to be the same thing year. It's going to be like Groundhog's day every year with this team, as long as James Harden and, and Embiid are together. Yep. I, Maxi is the third wheel. Um, When you when you talk about every team needs at least three three players that can carry a team, Mm. but I'm not so sure James Harden can give you that consistency to be the second guy to help carry that team. Uh, But you're caught between a rock and a hard place right now. I agree. I agree. Look, there isn't there aren't easy
3: solutions to this. Like if it was as simple as Harden walks away and you have 35 million to play with, right? It's a lot. More clear. Okay, then you can go do something. You don't have that kind of money, and are you willing to take a little bit of a step back? I don't. You know, I don't know that they're willing to to come to that. I mean, they do what they do great attendance wise. Uh, you know, from a business standpoint, as frustrating as the losses are, they do very well business wise. I don't know that they would be willing to do that, and I, I frankly I question it. I question whether they'd be willing to do that. It's probably the most prudent move, but I don't know that they're going to do it. Um, You know, and and it just feels like you're you're trying to catch, you get like sand in your fingers and it's just kind of going through here. Even with Embiid, I don't know that he's that guy that can win you a championship. And while I don't think he's going anywhere, I think the combination of two guys who can't win you a championship together, Yep. you know, with Harden and Embiid.
4: eh, That's that's a bad, that's bad mojo. And, you know, Sixers have nobody to blame but themselves for, for putting themselves in this position.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and there's no easy way out for them. You know, right now, this team basically is as we see it now, this team is gonna be status quo for next season. And that's not a good thing when you're trying to when you're trying to get past that that dark cloud of of the second round. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they ran into a Boston team. This wasn't Atlanta. You know, a team like that. This was a Boston team that had their number. They fought tooth and nail against Boston until that final, final six quarters of their series. Uh, sh- uh, should I say final four plus quarters? Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, four plus four. Well, plus let's go quarters.
3: four plus five. The, yeah. the last five minutes of Game Six. Yeah.
4: But now, as as the as the brain trust sits behind closed doors to evaluate what needs to be done, they got to be looking at each other saying. Where are we going to go? We we don't have much wiggle room whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I don't know if Tobias Harris will be, will be traded because I don't know if you can get anything better back for him. Yeah. If, if, if I'm a team out there looking to find a piece that can make me better, I'm not giving up good players for Tobias Harris. I'm giving up prospects and draft picks. The Sixers don't need draft picks. No. They need ready players now. Yeah. And I don't know if any team out there is going to give up quality players for Tobias Harris, especially to a Sixers team that has no draft picks, you know, to throw into the mix.
3: Yeah, and, and I almost feel like that has to be tied into like if you're if you're um, allowing Harden to walk, you you have to tie in Tobias Harris and and moving him to free some money up, you know, to allow right, yourself right. to be able to to supplement partly what you're missing there. I'm, I'm not saying you're getting someone who's going to be a clone of James Harden, but maybe you can get right. yourself a solid point guard and get yourself a guy who's a shooter, who wasn't costing you an arm and a leg. Easier said than done. I get it.
4: Correct. I, I agree hundred um, percent. And how's the fan base going to respond? Because eventually we're going to find out. We're going to find out but before the summer's over, what this roster is going to look like. And how does the fan base respond? Now, initially fan base will go out. They'll watch this team. If this team started to waver too much, you're going to hear booze raining down from the stands. One thing about this Philadelphia fan base is they wear their emotions on their sleeves. They don't hold back. Mm -hmm. And they're going to let you know about it. I think the Sixers, as we know them now, will be a good team. But the team, as we also know it right now, is allowing the likes of Cleveland and New York to creep up on them. Right. And that's right. not a good thing in terms of pecking order in the East.
3: Uh, it, it does, that's a really good point, Derek. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the conference, right. You know, and the other thing is, and, 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 and Hey, look, Milwaukee didn't take care of their business. So that that's on them, but uh, you know, they were just out of it. You didn't have to worry about them. Right. And right, right. you know, now all of a sudden, uh, what does Miami look like next year with this run that they're going on? I mean, they might be kind of rejuvenated. They were an eight seed uh, Cleveland. You're right about that. You're right about the Knicks. Um, you know Boston. I don't know what's going to happen, especially if they get swept. If they don't change coaches, they you know there's talk they may trade Jalen Brown. So, Jeez. you know that they could look different, um, for sure. So, yeah, this can this can take a lot of different forms. You know this 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 conference that they're in for sure.
4: You know I'm looking at this, this Miami roster, and you have you have two star players, <clears throat> Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Um, Jimmy's making almost 38 million. Adebayo's making 30 plus million. Yeah. Now you have Duncan Robinson, who was a role player, is not even a, a, a significant primetime player, who's making 16.9. Kyle Lowry, at the age of 37, is making 28 million. And then after that, you got a bunch of guys making anywhere between one and seven million. Mm. Um, and also, you know, don't forget, Oladipo could be coming back. Uh, some say his career could be over. Right. But if he comes back, he makes that Miami team that much more dangerous next year as well. Mm-hmm. So even if Miami doesn't win the title, they're going to be the same solid junkyard dog team next year as they are this year. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be a thorn in the side as well. You know, the uniqueness of Miami is, and as they've shown us this season, they can pull guys out of the G League, off the scrap heat, and make a formidable opponent out of them. That's a rare trait. Pat Riley. Is 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 a genius when it comes to that. Not many people, not many people, not many teams can do that. And Pat Riley is going to have his team right back in the mix again. Yeah. And the 76ers, how are you going to respond to that? And so that's why I said, you know, we sit here sitting on our hands, wondering what's going be to become of the Sixers team, a team with no wiggle room, a team with no draft picks, and you're trying to close the gap on the likes of Milwaukee, Boston, and Miami. Yeah and put, your, put more distance between yourselves and New York and Cleveland. But right now, it looks like you, you're getting closer to New York and Cleveland than you are to Miami, Mo- Milwaukee, and Boston.
3: I'm laughing as you say this because it's like, man, this doesn't sound real promising. No,
1: it doesn't. No, <laughs> I'm not no, liking
3: doesn't. the way this sounds, and they still have even decided on a coach. No, you know, not no, to mention, like, how does a bead bounce back, you know, next year after the way this ended? I, I wonder if the love affair – with the fan base isn't, it doesn't start to erode a little bit, just, just little, little tiny cracks, uh, you know, and then ultimately if they have a bad year next year, does he want out?
4: Well, we saw it happen when the Sixers went through a bad stretch of seasons, how the fan the seats were empty. Well, you and I was still working at NBC. Yeah. You know, seats were empty. Uh, people didn't come out to the games. Um, and you, you hope that doesn't happen again, because this team is not the Flyers. This team is not devoid of talent. It just doesn't have enough good talent to get to that next level. Plain and simple. Yeah. Well. Well said. Well said.
3: All right. Uh, when we come back, we are going to be joined by Phillies analyst Ben Davis. Uh, they lose again last night, Derek, and and you know, you keep waiting for a run. Like they took the final two out of three to the diamond uh, to the. Um, over the weekend of the cubs and you're saying all right this this maybe this is the time right. and then boom and then you have a game where everything they don't they don't hit particularly well uh they don't get great pitching their fielding was atrocious they they just not thinking the game well and you just wonder yeah. at what point does this team get this their act together and are you going to try to really flip the switch again like you did last year where you got it going after a 22 and 29 season so you're right your all right, we'll do all that with Ben when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Right now, I want to tell you about Pro Action Restoration. If you're not familiar with the name, get familiar. Write the number down. Write down the uh, the the online uh, portal where you can get a hold of them. Because look, here's the deal: if you have, unfortunately, if you go through, uh, you know, a flooding in your house a fire um if you see mold if you notice that you have all kinds of uh, any of those kind of issues smoke damage whatever the case may be you're not prepared to, to, to clean that up or handle that right but pro action restoration is and they're on call 24 hours seven days a week to assess and that means saturdays that means sundays that means nighttime that means holidays you name it they will be there because i went through it i went through it on a saturday and they came out and they helped out my family, and the, uh, the crew was professional, clean, the price was reasonable. Uh, they are the real deal, and they are licensed, bonded, fully insured. Pro Action Restoration has been serving the tri state area for more than two decades, and they will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So, again, it could be water, it could be fire, it could be smoke damage, mold remediation you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call 610 623 3760. 610 or online at proactionrestoration.com that's proactionrestoration.com
1: weather forecasting is a team game
2: we rely on each other every day updating the models and passing along new critical information
1: we have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer paul say hi paul
2: Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different.
1: That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction.
2: And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game.
1: And we have the best team in town.
2: When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messa Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215 568 3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messen Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
1: Go to get your game on, go for the beers.
5: Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest
3: thing that you, I know it's not easy, but they will make this
5: as easy as possible.
4: Life Celebrations by Givnish.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
4: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
5: Customizing services as unique as the individual. I I just know that my dad,
3: who is in charge of everything, was was not in charge of anything at that point when when my mom passed. And uh, um, again, just another... Shout out to this place for for making
5: it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. Life Celebrations by Givenish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagle.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, hanging with you. Have you done any grilling on your Traeger? On your new one that you, you said you were going to uh
4: Why do you why did you have to ask me that? I'm thank goodness. I all... remember
3: talking to you last week about it. You were, I don't know, hinting around you might. I don't know. What's going on?
4: This was before I, I knew that they were planning a surprise. Um that's true. that's true. A surprise fishing trip that didn't happen because of weather. Uh, before I knew my brother and my nephew were going to fly in and surprise me. Um, before I knew they were going to have a birthday party for me on Saturday. And then my brother and nephew are here Sunday. So to answer your question in shortest term possible, no, I have not opened it. The instructions are still in it. Rob, see with the Traeger, you have to cure it before you use it, which means right. you have to plug it in, turn it to a certain temperature, and then let it burn, let all the the newness burn out, the metal get seasoned. You do that with the lid off, closed, or open? I don't know. I'm assuming with the lid closed. I don't know uh, because I haven't looked at the dang instructions. I have never taken this long to use a grill. Father's Day is a few weeks away. If she doesn't get me anything this year, I deserve it. You know, first of all, always tell her, don't give me anything. Oh, I, that I really forgot that was there. your
3: father's day gift, right? Yes. And you, haven't even, owned,
4: you haven't even done it, it once. I'm telling you, it's oh, still squeaky God. clean. The metal is still shiny. Oh, my God. There are no burn marks on it. Nothing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're in See? trouble. I don't think you're getting anything this year. See, Chuck Hutton is right. Derek needs to properly prep the trigger. I do, sir. Yes. I do, and I have not done that. And every week, Rob, I keep saying, today is the day. Then I'm going to plug it in and cure at least cure it to show my yeah. wife that I do know it's out there. Yeah, I haven't even done that yet, Rob.
3: Okay, all right. I was I was thinking about you. I, I might grill tonight. I might I'm do glad, some I'm so glad my, my wife's dinner.
4: in meetings, so she didn't hear this show today because she would have brought it up later today. Man, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to get you in trouble.
3: All right, we're going to be joined in a little bit by Ben Davis, uh, who covers the Phillies uh, for the for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Does a great job in the booth and in the uh, in the studio. And we were talking about the uh, the Phillies before we we took a time out and just you know what's uh what's happening there. So let me give you the standings there just to sort of put uh, in perspective uh. Yeah, I know. So uh the Phillies right now are 22 and 25 which is good for fourth place just in their division they're in fourth place. Braves are 29 and 18 first place. Mets are 25 and 23 second place 24 and 24 are the Marlins they're in third. Um, you know, you look around right now, and, and it's it's like it's crazy to even think about uh, you know, wild card or or any of that kind of stuff. But uh, if I'm looking at it right, let's see one, two, three, four, five, six. Right now, they'd be on the outside looking in. Right now, Ooh. uh, yeah, actually, they'd be way on the outside looking in, but um, you know, they, they obviously this is not what any of us intended, any of us ex- expected, any of us thought. You know this was going to look like, and it's frustrating. You know we've had a we've had a. If you look at it generally in Philadelphia sports, you had an Eagles team that went to the Super Bowl in a really, you know, tightly contested game. You had uh, the Phillies who went to Game Six of a World Series. and looked like they were probably going to win Game Six. They didn't win Game Six. You had, um, you know, the Union. If you want to throw them in there, go to overtime in an MLS final and lose. So it's not like we haven't had some, some pretty interesting, you know, and and fascinating runs here from these teams, but man, you'd like to get one here. And we thought the Phillies were going to follow up last year with a really good year. Does does the Phillies start worry at all about the Eagles? I know it's different sports, but it's hard to get close and not get there and then come back the next year. No,
4: you know, you, you mentioned all the success, the Philadelphia sports teams, had this past year, but what's the com- one common denominator? They all fell short. They all, as successful as they were, yeah. they gave the city a lot of pride, a lot to be excited for. Whether you were a soccer fan, basketball, football, baseball fan can't say much about the hockey team, that's yeah. another story. Yeah. But they gave you the excitement, it kept you interested, they made you proud to be a Philly fan, and all of a sudden the air was let out of the balloon at the worst time possible. Right. But I'd rather have a bunch of teams that are relevant more so than a bunch of teams that are bottom dwellers. But when I look at this Phillies team, Rob, as, as I told you in the show meeting, I have a theory here. I think it's it's the, the plague of the month of May for the Phillies. If you go back to last year, the Phillies struggled through May. Then they made a managerial change. Now, they're not going to make a change this year, but I think the month of May has been an enigma for this team. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing the same thing now. So that's why I'm not too hard on the Phillies right now. Okay. They're three games below sea level, yes. Pitching has been inconsistent, yes. The bats have not heated up yet. But they started heating up in June, and June is right around the corner. Heck, June is what? Less than about a week and a half away? Uh,
3: yeah. I mean, today, today's the
4: 23rd where, you 23rd. know, yeah, a little more than a little more than a week. See, so I'm trying to stay as positive as possible with this team. There's still very, there's still a whole lot of baseball to play. And as we know, you know, you can be in fourth one day and all of a sudden you're you're pushing for the division lead the next week. That's how streaky baseball is. Yeah. You know, you get hot, other teams get cold, you get cold, other teams get hot. Right. So I'm trying to be as positive as I can. Now mm-hmm. at the end of June, if we're still looking at this Phillies team that's below 500, that is not playing up to potential, the bats are still inconsistent, then I'm going to be more consistent in my statement that I don't trust them. Yeah. I won't trust them the rest of the season.
5: Yeah,
3: no, I. I and I get that. I, and it is – I. It is. It, it's it, – you know the, that's the hard thing about baseball. When you're in the midst of it, it, it's really hard to have perspective how long the season is, and especially with the sixth wild card, it's just such a different yeah. story now in terms of having the ability to to get in like teams do. You know, I, the other thing that I'm I'm encouraged by, and tonight's going to be tough because you're starting Matt Strom, and it's a bullpen game, and Dylan Covey, who's got a six ERA, is going to be jumping in there. That's the hard thing. Um The and we'll be joined by Ben Davis in a second. He just shot me a text. He was running a little late, but um, I believe Dave Dombrowski and John Middleton are so committed that they will make a trade. They will absolutely Ooh, make a trade. You think if so? they need to? Yeah, I think if you need a starting pitcher and it's 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 looking pretty obvious, like they do need a starting pitcher, I think they'll make a move. And I think they would. I think they do it sooner rather than later. I don't think they would wait all the way until the trade deadline. I mean, you talk about late July at that point. I think they would do it. Yeah, you are. At some point in in June, you know, some maybe mid to late June, I think that if it still looks like this, where it's a scramble after Nola and Wheeler, I think a trade's coming.
4: I do. Well, even Nola, even when you take into consideration Nola and Wheeler, right? This this staff doesn't have three consistent starters yet. Hasn't yet. You know, they, they, it's bad enough they don't have a fifth starter to take off to take some of the pressure off the front line guys. Mm-hmm. Their first three starters up to this point, have not been what we thought no. they would be. Nope.
3: And Including you last. Know. And look, he, he wasn't helped by his defense for sure, but it was, you can include last night uh, in that. All right. Joining us right now, uh, I mentioned does an awesome job, NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, both in the studio and calling the games as well, uh, along with Tom McCarthy. And there's our guy, Ben Davis. What's happening, Ben? I the starting a
2: little dark here, guys? My apologies. I don't have the man. right lighting.
4: You, <laughs> didn't, you, didn't, you didn't pay your light bill again? That's Is that it? it? You.
3: Come on, man. <laughs> we, we can't take you anywhere, Ben. I Come know.
4: I know. Yeah. How's it going? Good, buddy. Good, 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 to, good. good to
3: catch up with you, man. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, ben, I, I think we're all in the same boat here, right? You, you, you know, they win the last two games of the Cubs series. You're saying, all right, maybe now. Maybe now you start getting some traction here and you start playing – quality baseball, get on a little run, because it's been the ultimate five up, five down, five up, five down, blah, 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 you know. Um, but they just can't seem to do it so far. It, is there one thing, Ben, or is it just way too many to put your finger on?
2: There, there's too many right now. And it's not, they're, if, if, if they're doing something good one night, they're not doing it the next. And if they're if they're pitching good one night, they're not getting hitting. If they are hitting, they're not getting the pitching. They're just not – they're consistently inconsistent. That's the best way to put it, I think. Uh, the starting pitching has been a letdown, and the defense has been a letdown. You know the average are going to go up or go down. This lineup is too talented to be, to be kept under for that long. But I thought the pitching would be a lot better, especially the starting pitching, and I thought the defense would be a lot better. Last year we were so concerned about the defense. Although, who's going to catch the ball? They were, they were okay last year. This year it has not been the case. They're, they're making fundamental mistakes – uh, seemingly every
4: night. Hey Ben, the one thing with Rob Thompson that really is really starting to irk me is he keeps tinkering with the lineup. And, and I think you should put guys where you want to put them and let them just settle in over a, a long duration of time to get comfortable in their roles. Yeah, I, I don't want to see Stott in, in batting lead off one game and batting six the next game. I don't want to see guys keep moving around. Yeah, you 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 brought these guys in here for a reason. You know, most of them, except a few additions, have played together. So they know each other. Does, Am I wrong in thinking that you need to settle on a lineup and just let it go for a while to get in a groove, so to speak? Yeah, I think so. Just let it breathe a little bit. Uh, yeah. I think Scott has pretty much handled himself
2: against lefties. So you can just say we well, can't move him down to the sixth hole when, when the lefty's on the mound like they did last night and have Turner leading off. I think he sees a lot of pitches. I know the average isn't where it was to begin the season, right? But the bottom line is he sees a lot of pitches, and he really is a table setter and lets the other guys in the lineup see this. So uh, I think he pretty much solidified himself as the leadoff guy. Just leave him there, and 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 move on from there. I think you can tinker tinker to a point uh, here and there with some other guys in the lineup, but yeah. for the most part, you want to go to the ballpark. You know, a you want to see your name in the lineup, and the b you want to know you're going to know where you're going to be hitting pretty much every day. I think that would help him out a little bit more.
3: Mm. Ben, that said, what do you do with Turner? Um, Would you just, hey, this guy's too good. Eventually he's going to get back to looking like Trey Turner. Or would you move him down? Uh, And when I say down, I don't mean like one or two. I mean a, a little bit further down than that. I don't know if that, I'll ask you as a former player, does that take pressure off of you or put more on you? How would you handle that?
2: I think it does take pressure off of you. Um, you know, when I played, everyone hit in front of me. <laughs> they said, you know who's hitting in front of you today? I said, yeah, everybody. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it does. I think it does take some of the pressure off. You move him down to the six hole or seven hole, I, I think it would take the pressure off uh, of him. He is way too good to be hitting what he's hitting right now, not getting on base. He's not stealing bases. Um, he's played, I think a subpar shortstop as well. Um, again, fundamental plays hit right at him. He's not making them, um, uh, every time. Um, I think it would behoove him to move him down a little bit more in the lineup. I'd love to see, I'd love to see Bryce Harper, to be honest with you, in the two hole. I think that's where he would, would fit best in this lineup. Um, I know Thompson does not like to go lefty lefty in the lineups, uh, but he likes to stagger righty lefty, righty lefty. I understand that. Because it does help out later in the in the game with bullpens and how they're being attacked, but um, you know Bryce Harper's going to hit lefties. That's that's the bottom line. So I think if you're looking at it, um, I think maybe you move him to, to,
4: to, to home or move Turner. Back. How would you how would you handle Riomuto? I mean. You, you, I'm I'm still waiting for him to come out of his slump. I mean, he, he he's hitting occasionally, but not not like you should. I I don't I don't know what you do with this lineup, Ben. I really don't, man. I mean, you know, guys the guys came out of the gate, yeah, swinging the bats well. I look at them now and it's like, you know, every, they're swinging the at bad pitchers, they're overcompensating. Um it, it looks like everybody's going for the fence. You know, when they're swinging, I I don't know. We, What would you, what do you do with this lineup? I mean, is there a way to shake it up to, to get their attention? No, no, because
2: I mean, a lot of these guys are getting a lot of money and they're going to be playing every day. That's the bottom line. I think with regards to JT, I think at some point you got to sit this guy at some point, it's not the easiest position to play. He caught most innings last year by 300 innings more than anybody else in the game of baseball. He's playing day games after night games. He's he's catching long games. Um, at some point, you got to get him off his feet. I, I know he wants to be in there every day, and I applaud his efforts for doing so. But he has Garrett Stubbs for a reason, and he does a very good job behind the plate. He'll get you a hit here and there, and, he, and the pitching staff likes throwing to him. You got to get JT off his feet. Um, I, I think six or seven would be the best spot for him in the lineup. Um, I like him in that in the sixth hole or possibly the seventh, like I just said. But uh, if he's he was really, he came out gangbuster. He was swinging the bat extremely well. And I think he's just a little fatigued right now. And as much as, as tough, as durable as the guy is, you got to get him off his feet.
3: Ben, you, you look at, uh, it doesn't seem to be any easy solutions here from a pitching standpoint. Um, and, and just what's going on. And you got to get through a bullpen game tonight, et cetera. You feel like a move's coming soon? Uh, do you feel like they, they're going to have to add something? Because it, it feels like a lot's up in the air right now. Like Nola, uh, although he was awesome on, on Sunday, Nolan Wheeler have been solid, but not excellent. Um, Ranger. Yeah. Right. He, it doesn't feel like he's there yet. Um, and then you get beyond that. It's hold your breath with Taiwan Walker. And then nothing after that. What, how do you see this playing out? Are they going to wait patiently for painter? H- what happens here?
2: I think you're almost kind of forced to go get somebody or, or bring somebody up. You just can't keep burning your bullpen like they are. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't put it past Dave Dombrowski to go out there and get somebody because they, they need somebody. Again, these guys eaten up a lot of innings. You, you saw Walker in that last road trip. He doesn't get out of the first in San Francisco. Again, burning your bullpen. Um, They've they just been way too against it. Ranger has been kind of a disappointment since he's gotten off the aisle. Uh, Walker's been unbelievably inconsistent. Uh, and even to a point, like Wheeler, as you mentioned, I heard you talking before I got on. You know, defense let Wheeler down last night. But if he's your guy, if he's your ace, you, you got to find ways to get past that. And uh, they're going to be okay, I think, especially Nola and 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 uh, Wheeler. But they gotta they gotta be better. That's the bottom line. You, you, we saw what the Astros had last year and their starting rotation in their bullpen and how stinking good they were. I mean, they had it. Yeah. They had one yeah. of those guys. It wasn't like well. Hey, let's get the starter out of there and get to the bullpen. There was no weak link in that in that starting rotation or the bullpen for the Astros. And that's the reason why they beat the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies, they're going to hit at some point and they're going to be a little bit more consistent, but they have to get better starting pitching. And again, the defense, they have to shape up.
4: Hey, Ben, give me a breakdown of Wheeler in particular. He's only had one win this month and four decisions. And he's gone he's gone seven innings once once his other innings have been five and six innings. He's been tattooed for seven, eight, nine runs in in his three losses. I mean, not not disastrous, but not the Zach Wheeler we're accustomed to. Is it mechanical with him? No, I just don't think he has the fastball
2: command. Um, I, I think he falls in love with a, the, the cutter slash slider that he throws off um, a lot, and sometimes it backs up and sometimes it gets hammered. Um, it, it's, it's a pitch, I think, that when it's on, it's really good, but if it's so-so, you got to find other ways to execute. Um, but his fastball command, I'd like to see him rely heavily on that sinker. His sinker is awesome. And you could sometimes it's so good. You could literally tell a right handed hitter, yo, dude, I'm throwing you a sinker. And there's nothing he <laughs> can do about it. He's still going to roll it over to shortstop or third base. That's how good this sinker is. Um, so I'd like to see him get a little bit and then a little bit more four seamers down in a way to righties. I think he could, he could work with. It seems like when he's going away to righties, it's always with that cutter or or slider, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, I'd like to see him throw more fastballs.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah, I, I, Ben, I, I'm with you, and I just feel like I don't know. Is this is it a general sort of malaise? Is it a hangover? Is it did they think they were gonna because they went on that run for a month that they were going to be better than they actually are? Like it, it, it's just I see things last night like Wheeler doesn't cover. You know, Stott makes a mistake. Cody Clemens makes a mistake. There's, there's other things that happen during the course of the game that, that feels like this team isn't quite dialed in the way that they should be mentally.
2: I would agree with that, Rob. I would. Um, it, it's the it's – the, for me, it's the thinking ahead. Okay, if this ball's hit to me, where am I going to go with it? What am I going to do with it? And it's, that's not that mentality. We've seen errant throws from the outfield, not hitting the cutoff man, allowing guys to take extra bases. And then you see eventually they're going to come around and score. Uh, they, these things have to be cleaned up because if not, they're not going to find themselves in the playoffs. Is it a hangover? It could be. It could be. Hey, man, we made it to the World Series last year. We were two games away from winning it all. Mm. Uh, it's just going to click. It, and baseball's not like that. Baseball's not a game where you can just say, you know, flip a switch because it's too damn hard. It's just, it just is to hit a baseball. It's too hard. And um, you know, if, if that, if they think they can just turn it on, you just can't. They have to. Think, I think they have to anticipate a little bit more and have the game come to them. But, you know, is Kyle Schwarber going to throw a guy out at if, if, first and second? Is he going to throw a guy out at home plate down the left field line? No. Throw the ball in the second base. Keep the double play in order. Otherwise, you're going to have second and third if you're trying to air it out to the home plate. These are the things that they need to think of. Um, and that could be, again, it's pitch to pitch. It's batter to batter, whatever. But they have to make these adjustments.
4: Ben, if, if they – do follow suit of what Rob was talking about earlier about the possibility of making a trade to get another starting arm in here. Who who are some of the trade candidates on this roster right now? Do you think who, who would be the prime trade bait to, to entice a team to, to even consider making a deal?
2: Uh, yeah,
3: I, I think question. it's minor leaguers.
2: I think if you were to problem is Rob, there's not a whole lot of great minor leaguers that they can yeah. you know, yeah. dangle out there. It's true. I would think if, if Reese Hoskins were healthy, maybe he would be trade bait yeah. Uh, yeah. possibly because he's in the last year of his contract. And that's the only reason I would say that. Um, but you got a lot of these guys are locked up for a lot of years yeah. and you know, they don't want to blow up the bullpen. Um, maybe, but he's been really good for them this year. Connor Brogdon, he's been excellent. Maybe a guy like him, he's got a couple years left before arbitration. Maybe yeah. he wouldn't be enticing for somebody. But, um, you know, obviously, he went out and got Soto last year because he's not going anywhere. Alvarado's not going anywhere. Um, I would say maybe Brogdon. But other than that, I, I really don't know who else they could could move.
3: I, mm. Ben, let me ask you specifically about Turner, just to swing it back there. Um, are you seeing the biggest reasons for his struggles? And I'm with you. Like, I'm frustrated in that there's been at least three instances where I, I he wasn't busting it on the base paths for me. He nonchalated a ball the, in Colorado I didn't like. Uh, that, that really bothers me, and I don't yeah. think it's talked about it enough. But just from, from a, a mechanics thing, I guess, at the plate, is it just as simple as he's putting himself in a bad position because he's chasing too many bad balls, or is it a little bit more in-depth than that?
2: No, I think it's – I mean, he might as well tell the, the scoreboard operator to put 0-2 or 1-2 on the scoreboard when he yeah. walks in the batter's box. Yeah. he's. To me, when he started off the season, he was really good offensively. Yeah. They were throwing away. He taking the, you know, a, a single to right field. A sing, next to bat, single to right field, and that was almost like he was well over three hundred. And then it was everyone started talking. Hey, where's this power? Where did he hit five home runs in the WBC? Where's this pop? You know, we, we want to see the pop. It almost like he was like, okay, I'm not going to take that single to right anymore. I'm going to try and go up top to left field. And I think he just got over anxious. I don't think he was content with the with the the singles and doubles anymore. And it was like, All right, I I'm here. I want to hit some home runs and, you know, I'm going to try and do it. It didn't work out that way. And I think he just got him in a funk, but he's chasing a lot of pitches down and out of the zone. Um, And he's, you know, when he's going up the middle or the right field, that's when he's at his best. And that's the reason he's a 300 career hitter. But I think he's just, he's trying to impress right now. He signed a big deal in a new city, trying to endear himself to everybody. You can't blame him. He is a human being. Uh, We saw it with Castellanos last year. Uh, Not so much really with Harper. But I think he's just trying to endear himself to the fans a little too much.
4: Let me see if you subscribe to my theory, and I brought this up to Rob earlier. I said right now for the Phillies, it's it's like Groundhog's Day. It's a repeat of last year, the curse of May. This team struggled through the month of May. Of course, they made a managerial change. They're not going to make a change managerial-wise this year. But I think it's the curse of May. And I'm trying to be as optimistic as I possibly can be. I think once June hits, is when they – they get this hit their stride. has had two home runs now in his last three games. You know, I don't think he's going to hit his weight, you know, this year. If he, you know, he haven't listed on the roster at 229. I'd be shocked if he hits over 229, but he can not hit 45 home runs as he showed last year. I just think when June gets here is when we're, we're really going to see this Phillies team.
2: Yeah, I think they will take off at some point. Again, this lineup is constructed to be dynamic and it will be dynamic. We've seen it be dynamic at times throughout the course of this early season. But they just haven't been consistently dynamic. I think you're going to see some guys settle in and get a little bit more comfortable. We know what Schwarber does in June. I mean, he is Mr. June. Um, and I, again, I think the pitching will be better. Uh, we're just not seeing it right now, and it's it's almost kind of like we're to sit back and just let it happen. But I'd like to see a little bit more, just a little bit more sense of urgency out of these guys. And uh, they are very professional about their business. They do get their work in. I'm not worried about that falling off or not not getting their you know extra swings or or things like that extra ground balls. They do get their work in. It's just a matter of, of again a little bit more sense of urgency and say, hey guys, you know it's it's near the end of, end of May. We got to kick it in gear because uh, you know we could we could get out of this, especially in this division. The Mets are really starting to play really good baseball. The Nats are a lot better than what we think. And we know what the Marlins um, have done to the Phillies over the years, especially with their starting pitching. They can shut you down in a hurry. So uh, they can find themselves out of it real quick if they don't have that sense of urgency.
3: Ben, let me ask you about Alec Bohm because he got off to a great start. Um, he's down to 257 with a 316 on base and a 389 slugging percentage. What are you seeing with him at the plate, and how much of that is affected by hopping from first to third, first to third, or does that have anything to do with it? I don't
2: field. think the defensive um, difference makes a, a big difference for him. And I said before the year, you know, I, I firmly believe, and I still believe this, first and foremost, he's a hitter. And if he hits 30 home runs or 40 home runs that and hits, you know, 230, do you really want that? I, I say it till I'm blue in the face. I don't care about home runs. I care about batting average and I care about RBIs. You give me a guy that can hit for a high average and get RBIs, driving 100 runs, 120 runs a year, I'll take that dude on my team any day of the week. I don't care if he hits a home run. I, I, you know, if he comes up with base load and hits a double in the gap or a or single up the middle and scores a couple runs, if you can count on that as opposed to the guy that might hit a grand slam every now and again, you know what? I want the guy, I want the pure hitter first and the RBI guy. Uh-huh. That's what he was earlier in the season. He was a pure hitter. I just see him being over overanxious, uh, like a lot of the other guys in this lineup, Over anxious, swinging the first pitch fastballs in off the plate and getting jammed, popping them up. Um, he's a better hitter than that. Um, I think he's another guy that, that hears, the, hears the voices. Uh, oh, he's, he's a corner guy. He's got to hit home runs. Um, I think first and foremost, get back to being a hitter first. He's too big and strong for the home runs not to come. They will come at some point. Maybe not maybe he doesn't hit uh-huh. thirty-five a year. But uh-huh. I think he could if he hit twenty home runs and, and hit, you know, two ninety to three hundred, I'll take that any day. Gotcha. gotcha.
4: Hey, hey Ben, how guarded do you have to be, whether in the studio or in the booth with your comments, especially when his team is as frustrating as it is ha- as it has been for the first two months of the season? Do you do you think you have clout enough to say whatever you feel and be as passionate as you wanna be about what's going on? Or do you really have to sometimes uh, thoroughly think things through before you project them because you know you have to answer to NBC Sports or to the Phillies organization?
2: Yeah, I think first and foremost, you have to be honest and true to the fans because they're the ones that are watching what we do for a living. Um, And this is a a city, I mean, let's face it, we we all know this city extremely well. We can't blow smoke where smoke doesn't need to be blown because these Mm -hmm. fans know they're they're very uh, knowledgeable and they'll call you out on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Certain things, I mean, I think a lot of these players are are, are accountable. Like the play that you mentioned, Rob, about the the line drive in Colorado right Mm -hmm. over Turner said, yes, Trey Turner. I said, yeah, I catch that ball 100, not 99 out of 100 times, 100 times out of 100 times. Mm -hmm. And I think, to a man, this team is very accountable. Um, If something's good, bad, or indifferent, you know, that's my job. i got to call it out. And, you know, we fly with the team. You know, we, we have to walk by the players when we get on the plane. Um, but I think as, as long as you're not, you know, going after their, their family or anything like that, I think you're going to be okay. Um, but I think, again, they're very accountable. And they, they see things, I think, the way, you know, a guy that's been watching baseball for 46 years would see it. They're, they're knowledgeable and accountable. And as long as you're not, you know, destroying them on every play. Uh, but you got to be honest to the fan.
3: All right, Ben, when do we see you next, man? When do we see you next, either <clears throat> studio or booth?
2: I'll be in the – I'm on this next road trip to Atlanta, New York, and Washington. So we leave tomorrow after the game, get down to Atlanta. We're, we will not. You will not see us on Sunday because that's the game of the week on ESPN. Right. Um, but we'll have the three three in Atlanta, the first three. We'll have the three in New York and then three in D.C. In so awesome, hopefully man. the weather's good and it cooperates. And um, this team can, I think, that make a statement because they are facing three National League East teams. If they get on a run here, that can make a statement because – um, you know, they're not going to face them as many times as in years past. So if they can make a statement in the, in the division, I think it would help them out in, in the long run. All
3: right, Ben. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. giving all us right, a couple minutes. Uh, safe guys. All right. Safe
4: travels to you, brother. Take, Take care. You. We'll that see is you.
3: Ben Davis, NBC sports, <laughs> Philadelphia. All right, Gunner, let's get a timeout in. Let's come back. Turn our sights to the NFL. Uh, Not only are we going to do defensive goats. Greatest of all time. We'll get a little bit more into the flex. There's some tweaks in the kickoff uh rule. Now, which we will we will talk about, Austin Eckler's future, where that's headed, Roger Goodell extension. There's a lot of uh, meat on the NFL bone, which we will <clears throat> get into when we come back, so don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, we're Sports Take, Jacob Sports, YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. They specialize in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. Now, this is a great time to get your trees evaluated when the weather's nice and calm before the summer and the winds and the rain hit. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for a sampling of their work or more information. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610 850 2848 or online at Flynn treeservices.com that's Flynn treeservices.com everybody thanks for hanging out with us good to see you good to be hanging with you yes i agree with christy let's hit that like button folks if you could we would appreciate it good to check in with chris um christy, I, I, where you been i know man she's been uh, laying low lately i don't know uh busy so austin eckler gunner we thought he was going to be uh playing elsewhere next year but he will remain a los angeles charger they they worked some very uh attainable incentives into his contract so he will not be going anywhere that's good news if you're a charger's fan because that guy's a stud uh running and catching there's not much he can't do you mute you muted yourself that was weird how how you how did you mute yourself <laughs> You just
4: uh, I have no yeah. idea yeah. I, you can hear me now right <laughs> yeah got gotcha. you can you can you hear me now can you hear me now is this thing on um I think I think he is the epitome of a Swiss Army knife. Um, in the offense he's very similar to a christian mccaffrey yeah uh can do everything running p- catching uh blocking uh m- nightmare matchup and when you look at that 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 Chargers offense um they need him to make that offense flow it's a very very potent offense um and, and it's a, it's it's an offense that can explode on you but he is the catalyst that makes that offense go yeah, And no the point. fact that, you know, we thought that that he was going to be traded. Uh, great move if you're a Chargers fan that he's going to stay in the fold at least for one more year to see if the Chargers can get over the hump. As, as I've talked about time and time again, this is a team for decades that always finds a way to stumble over themselves. Um, maybe this is their year. Maybe you're, they're in the wrong division, but maybe, who knows, anything mm-hmm. can happen.
3: Yeah, I, look, th- we know there's talent there. I mean, that much we know, but – they seem to be good at coming up small. So I don't love the coach oh either. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm no, not. No, I'm not coach. either. No. All right. I'm curious. i would to bounce this off you uh, because we talked, we were talking about how, you know, with this Thursday night flexing, the the league once again shows that they don't really care about the, the, you know, the players and, and their health and all that. But um, fair catches on kickoffs, Derek, uh, have now been more incentivized. So, um, you remember one thing that became popular last year was sort of the pop-up kickoffs where guys would catch them. And, and mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you, you can, you can catch them and, and, you know, because they're short, you're going to get a good field position, but other times you catch it and you get drilled. Well, you can fair catch those now and you will automatically get it at the 25 regardless. So let's just say somebody pops okay. one up and you catch it at the three, you know, instead of tra- having to try to return that bad boy and getting lit up, You can fair catch it, and you get it at 25 regardless of where you fair catch it. So a lot of people feel like this is the precursor to them eventually getting rid of kickoffs altogether. But what what do you think about this rule?
4: Well, it's another facet in trying to minimize the concussion elements. They always talk about how the kickoff is probably, at this stage, the most dangerous element of of the pro game in terms of violent collision, so on and so forth. You know, they did away with the wedge years ago of players being able to hold hands and stuff like that. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's it's worked in a college game, you know, so why not? The pro, I'm surprised it's taken this long to adapt it at the pro level. If, if a guy gives himself up and calls for a fair catch on a kickoff, you know, so be it, you know. Um, it, it hurts the kickoff team because, you know, sometimes, you know, a guy makes a mistake and he should have let it go, and he catches it, and all of a sudden you bury him inside the 15. Right. But now, you know, uh, it, in some ways it gives an offense an advantage to gain additional yards in what could be a bad situation for them.
3: Yeah, the concussion rates on kickoffs have really gone up the last two years, nearly twice as high as the average of, of offensive or defensive plays. Yep. yep, And they're trying to tweak them and, you know, whatever. But, look, I'm okay with this. I, I, I know – people are going to get angry at any kind of change. Right. But you know, if that's ultimately what they're trying to do, I still get pretty good field position at the 25, even if this guy, you know, has a great kick, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening there. You know, that's for sure. Um, All right. So that's the, uh, that's the kickoff thing. So I wanted to bounce a couple other things off of you. uh, NFL wise looks like Roger Goodell's deal is just about done. Uh, they're going to extend him uh, as the commissioner, Derek, up until 2027. It looks like he'll be locked in until then. He's been the commissioner since 06. So he this would be more than a 20-year run for Roger Goodell. And for people who are, I'm sure, yelling and screaming, listen to this right now. The owners like someone who makes the money, and they don't want anything to stop that. They want the train to keep going. And Roger Goodell, love him or hate him, for them, keeps the train going.
4: <clears throat> Roger Goodell, not just Roger Goodell, but the people who are who are his underlings, the real minds in terms of how do we generate more financial volume for this league with streaming and you do and all this stuff. Um, and, and, and right now the NFL, well, it has been for quite some time. They are a cash cow. And you're right. The owners don't want to disrupt that. They want their pocket change, you know, and so not only that, but he is the perfect spokesman for whatever they want to get out there. Mm -hmm. Even when he's not giving you anything, um, he is exactly what the ownership wants in terms of a front man to be their mouthpiece. Now I know the players are not going to be too happy about it when it was revealed in his last contract, his, his package, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, uh jets lifetime health insurance making like what 35 40 50 million a year things like that and players are falling by the wayside with devastating injuries to their lower extremities and head trauma injuries as well you know i know players and the players association is not going to be happy about it but let's face it the owners make the rules no matter what the owners make the rules and, and it is what it is and roger imagine being at the same job for 20 years making the kind of money he gets. And then when you decide to walk away, you still have lifetime perks with that organization. Yeah, it's nice.
3: Mm. Nice if you can find it, my mm. friend. Uh, this one was it caught me a little bit off guard because I think he's a really good kicker. I'm a little bit biased because he's a Temple guy, but Brandon McManus was uh, was cut by the Broncos. He was the last remaining player wow. from that Super Bowl 50 team. Yeah, he was, uh, he was cut. He was let go. Um, I, I don't think it's going to take him long to find a job. Um, but he he was a good kicker for a long time. He's been there for a while, Derek. He'll turn thirty. He, he turns thirty-two in late July, so he he's been around for a long time. Um,
4: but yeah, he's out. Not Sean Payton's kind of guy, I guess. You know, maybe who knows what Sean Payton is thinking. But um, you're right. Very good, quick kicker. Very good, accurate leg. I'm surprised that uh, they're letting him walk like that. I haven't even looked at their roster. I don't even know who they have on their roster in terms of being a potential kicker for the Broncos this year. But obviously, they feel that he is not the kicker that he was. You don't just let a guy like that go, uh, who's done for an organization and has proven time and time again that he can be that money guy for you in a kicking situation. Yeah, he had- you're right. You're right, Rob. He won't be on. He won't be in the unemployment line long. Oh no, no, he'll
3: he'll find employment soon. Uh, he has two years remaining here. He had two years remaining on a four-year extension he signed in 2020. He was scheduled to make four or count four point nine eight against the cap this year. So I, I'm sure that plays into it. That's a that's a good amount of money for a kicker. But hey, man, when you need one, I, I mean, look, it's nice. The, the we always talk about the Eagles' special teams. You never have to think yep. about it with Jake Elliott. You know that yep. that's that's a nice thing. Um, that's for sure. All right. And your and your buddy Sippus. Oh, stop, please. That's why I wish I wish he was a putter. I, I, I oh. actually punted at Temple. He punted and kicked. So Did maybe, he really? Oh, you know, yeah. Maybe he can come here and punt. Um, um, I thought you'd enjoy this. The 2025 NFL draft will be in Green Bay, Wisconsin, my friend. Um, interesting have move a, there.
4: I have a one word answer for you. Why? <laughs> Why? I thought you would defend it and like it and be happy about there it there is absolutely nothing in Green Bay. <laughs> when you look at when you look at the cities that have held the NFL draft, they are cities that give fans, not just the local fans, but the multitude of fans who come in from other cities a lot of things to do. Even in Kansas City, you know, you got great eating facility, great steakhouses, great multitudes of great barbecue joints in Kansas City. What does Green Bay have to offer? First of all, they don't have the hotels to accommodate. Um, What was it? Over 330,000 fans attended the one in Kansas City? Yeah. 330,000 fans is more than double the population of Green Bay. Mm -hmm. And you don't have the hotels to accommodate that. Your biggest hotel. Why do you think every NFL team basically stays at the paper mill in in Appleton, Wisconsin? Because that's the biggest hotel they have to accommodate a protein. And it's an old hotel. It's a great hotel, right. old hotel with a great sports bar in it. Uh, Vince Lombardi Steakhouse is there. But all the other hotels are like your, your standard chain hotels, they have X amount of rooms. That city can, and your, your best restaurants in Green Bay is Brett Favre Steakhouse or a place called Prime Quarters, where you get to go and you pick your steak out of a cooler and you have the option to stand around a grill and grill it yourself outside of that there's not a lot of great restaurants in green bay other than chains so i can't believe they gave green bay uh they gave green bay the nfl draft Hmm. i am shocked as i sit here today that green bay is going to be hosting that draft
3: okay all right it is in green bay uh and as we know the super bowls uh this year will be in vegas uh super bowl 59 which is the following year will be in new orleans and then super bowl 60 will be in santa clara where the 49ers play so that that's the that's the home for the next three years can't can't argue with any of those spots really um i
4: I don't i don't know if they take a a measure attendance but i would think if they measured attendance uh being in vegas (coughs) would probably be record setting for super bowl attendance warm weather gambling Mm -hmm multitudes of shows to go to as well as the football nightclubs galore uh, I, I would think Vegas would be the perfect place to just shatter records for a Super Bowl week whatever it is however they gauge it by a week by a three-day weekend whatever the case may be I think Vegas uh is going to be swarmed with fans because of it's just it's just Vegas.
3: Yeah, and, and speaking of that, as I think we mentioned it on the show yesterday that Tom Brady uh, is, in fact, uh, getting a stake in the Las Vegas Raiders. He will be mm-hmm. a may not minority owner uh, of the other of Raiders, with Mark Davis having the, the largest share of things. But he will be there. He will be a, a part of it. I, I thought it was cool. He also um, – spoke with Bryce Young yesterday. And if you if you got a chance to to hear any of that or what some of the things that Bryce Young had to say. I thought that was good that, that Favre did that. Or uh, Favre, geez, Brady did that. Because <laughs> we've seen other guys not want to do it. That's right. I was my brain was one step ahead. We've seen other guys like Favre not necessarily be super supportive uh to, to you know young players. And and I know Brady has nothing to lose now. He's he's out of it, but still he didn't have to take that time. I thought it was nice.
4: Who better to get motivation from? than the GOAT himself. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, Bryce Young doesn't know him. He doesn't know Bryce. But for him to get motivation, insight on his his maiden voyage into the NFL, you couldn't ask for a better person to give him that insight and knowledge. So good for Tom Brady just to step out of his element and do that. And I'm assuming Tom might do that for a number of young quarterbacks uh, that are coming through the National Football League. But with this kid being the number one overall pick, the weight he carries on his shoulders right now is tremendous. And he hasn't even played a down of football yet. We don't even know if he's going to be the starter right away, to be honest.
3: No, I mean, they have, know, have Andy Dalton Andy there.
4: Dalton is there. Yeah. Matt Carroll is still there. Yep. You know, so we don't know how quickly he'll get on the field. Obviously, the fans are going to want to see him in action sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. But if Carolina's like every other team – we have to put the best players on the field and give us a chance to win more games than to lose games. Probably not Bryce Young at this point. Andy Dalton, he is what he is. He's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. Uh, we saw him go, go through the highs and lows in New Orleans. Um, I think he'll be steady Eddie for Carolina team. He's not going to take him to a Super Bowl, but he can hold the fourth down until it. The Carolina brass feels that this Bryce Young kid is ready to, to assume the role.
3: Yeah, uh, I wanted to throw this passion because I know you watch a lot of uh, NFL Network, Good Morning Football, yeah. which I thoroughly enjoy. That show, by the way, I I love. I think it's a great cast. Uh, I think yeah. they're they're fun. They mix it up. They're good. I think it's a really good show. Um, so if you watch uh, that show, you see Jason McCourty on there a lot. Yeah, who, who's who's become one of the regulars. I think since uh, Nate Burleson left and went to CBS, he, he's, yeah. he's doing their morning show. His brother, Devin, is, has now joined NBC Sports' Sunday night pregame show, Football in America. So you're going to have the McCourty brothers, one doing good morning football, one doing uh, football night in America.
4: So they've done pretty well since retirement. Yeah, what, a great, what a great journey for both brothers. I mean, they, they make a name for themselves in the National Football League. Now they're going to make a name for themselves in the media field as well. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. And I will say the brother that's on uh, Good Morning Football is very articulate, mm-hmm. very insightful. I love listening to his stories about his life and his journey in football. I uh, haven't heard much of the, the other brother yet, but if he's anything like his brother on Good Morning Football, he's going to be all right Yeah, in our, he's... in our medium.
3: I agree with you. His brother's good. Uh, his yeah. brother does a nice job. They were both, both guys, um, during their – playing career uh they they both play ended up playing i think 13 13 devin played 13 years uh in, in the nfl both had, both are really good he was a two-time uh pro bowl selection and you know etc etc but they both did that that media training yep that the, the league NFL, the nfl the nfl uh boot camp right right yep. they they both did it to their credit so they were they were preparing for for life after football um all right so one of the fun things that we did yesterday, and we did this to honor Jim Brown, who passed away uh, you know, over the weekend, yep. sadly. We did the offensive side of the ball yesterday. Today, we're going to do the defensive side of the ball, and with with Jim Brown in mind, we're doing the greatest of all time at these positions. And I, did we both have Jim Brown at running back? I know I did. Yes, I think we did, did as well. yeah. Yes, we, we, so did. we both had Jim Brown. Okay. We did, yeah. So we did. We did quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end yesterday. Today, we're doing defensive end defensive tackle, corner, safety, linebacker, okay? So it's DND tackle, linebacker, corner, safety, okay? Uh, and what we did yesterday, we alternated each one. So I, I'll go first, if you don't mind. On All right, let me menu. let me
4: say this. Now, we, we're yeah. doing basically one, two, three, four. We're doing five positions, correct? Correct. I would say we will differ on at least three.
3: Okay. Yeah, yeah because we, always, you, yeah. we, Derek and I are typically pretty close when it comes to these kind of things right. uh, with our thinking. Okay. Okay. So I, I won't even – I don't even have to speak to this one. I will do like a Vanna White to this one. Okay? <laughs> are you ready? All
4: right.
3: Defensive end. Bam. That is Slam Reggie dunk. White, friends. Slam dunk. Yeah, that is Reggie White. Uh, to me, the Minister of Defense – Uh, Barrett used to call him Mr. White out of the the respect that he had for him uh, for what he has done and what he did in the game Uh, like to me and I know he moved around a lot so people might say oh he played defensive tackle too he did he did he moved around a lot but that just speaks to his versatility but ultimately for me he's a defensive end he was uh, an unstoppable force um, probably could have hung around longer and put up more numbers and all those kind of things Uh, but he also defended the run he wasn't a one trick pony. Uh, he was as strong as anybody. Didn't look like it. He wasn't ripped up like some of these guys who were carved out of steel, but he was to me just the baddest dude. And I will all day take Reggie white as my defensive. End.
4: They always say, you know, a great players are not great all the time, only when they have to be in many cases. And that was Reggie white. Reggie had that signature club move and you know how coaches always study tendencies of their opponents and they try to figure out this move for years and it could not the fact that he could pick up men with one arm 320 330 pounds and cast them aside. Like they were 155 pounds soaking wet weaklings uh, showed you the stamina and consistency of a Reggie white nonstop motor, you know, and he played an era where you didn't do a lot of rotating that position. You put your hand in the dirt and you play from start to finish and Reggie white you know, he might go quiet in the game for a while, but when he had to crank it up, there was nobody better than than the Minister of Defense in, in the National Football League and Reggie White. Unfortunately, he left us too soon in life. But, man, did he leave a legacy behind? Because I can't tell you how many, you know, those 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 shows that we watched, those old NFL shows, like the 30-30 type shows and Jonathan Fassenden doing the narrations, where we just saw Reggie White clubbing the heck out of guys. Reggie White was like 6'5", 298, 298 Right. He was a big man, but he wasn't the biggest man. And, you know, Barrett loves to tell the story about Nate Newton, how Nate Newton was considered one of the strongest offensive guys he had ever seen. And Reggie White lifted him up like a sack of wet, wet wet blankets and tossed him aside. That's that's how you knew the strength of a Reggie White.
3: Yeah, no question. All right, so we are on the same page there. Uh You get first crack at D-tackle, Derek. It's all yours.
4: Mm. When I went D-tackle, Rob, I thought about a number of guys and one that first and foremost, that came to mind was Mean Joe green. But then when I sized up the entire body of work that they had, I had to go with, with a, a, a guy who, who plays for a team that I can't stand, which was, which was Bob Lilly of the Dallas Cowboys. Bob Lilly was Mr. Consistency his entire career. You know, in 14 years, he started every game he played in 164 games. Wow. He never missed a game at a position where you endure The most injuries, not the most physical contact for sure. No question about it. This man was 11 time pro bowler for seven times, first team all pro. He was in the all decades team in the 60s and 70s. I see you know Cal Bundy put up Aaron Donald. No question, Aaron Donald is a beast, but in terms of consistency and measurables, and I know a lot of people on here don't even know who Bob Lilly is. But when you study the history of the game, you go back and look at what he was to this game. I had to pick Bob Lilly over anybody possibly. Charles Haley was an outstanding individual as well. You know, thank you, Chuck. I had to go Bob Lilly.
3: Okay. Uh, I've considered him too, uh, ultimately. But you brought up the guy I went with, and it's Mean Joe Green. Um, You know, I, I look at what he was able to do. For as long as he did it, too, uh, on a team that was just as dominant as any team that we've seen, you know, you talk about a guy, you know, by today's standards, I guess would be considered small, Derek. Even though he's six four, he was only two seventy five. Yeah, yeah, right. So I guess he'd be considered a little bit light, um, you know, for for these days. But this is a guy who, at the tackle spot, got over double digit sacks in his career in nineteen seventy two was consistent as heck against, you know, both sides of the ball. He was the AP defensive player of the year three times. Uh, He was in the top three, four times in the top five, five times. Uh, You know, like this guy just showed up every single game. He played from 69 to 81. So he was there for the entirety of that run. Like when he got there, they stunk in 69. And by the time he left, he had four rings. By the time he retired, he only played for the Steelers. Uh, He had four rings, but you know just a, a great great beyond great player and you know i i was a, i don't really remember him all that well as a player he was yep, kind of yep. at the end when i started following uh, yep, things yep i'll never forget him for the commercial the coke commercial
4: Oh, uh, thanks mean joe yeah
3: <laughs> yes uh, have a coke and a smile but uh yeah so he had uh four time uh super bowl champ two-time defensive player of the year, uh, NFL defensive rookie of the year. He was the man of the year in 79, five-time pro bowler, three-time second-team all-pro, Ten I'm sorry, five-team first-team all-pro, 10-time pro pro bowler, 1970s decade team, 75th anniversary, 100th anniversary, Steelers Hall of Fame. I could go on and on and on, but you get the idea. This guy was a beast.
4: No question about it. And, you know, in the chat, in the in our chat room here, bring up a lot of great names, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, John Randall was a great one. Yes. You know, Alan Page, Dan Hampton, you know, Cortez, Warren Sapp. You know, you're right. There are a lot of great ones uh, in there, but, you know, Jerome Brown, no question about it. Um, I guess it's, it's, it's the flavor of the day. You know, what your preference was. Yeah, sure. Uh, there, there's an argument for a lot of guys, but, When I, when my choice came down to overall body of work, and when you survive the rigors, and remember the rules were a lot more lenient back, you know, in the days of when Bob Lilly played. Sure. You know, they don't have all these, you know, restrictions. He didn't have all those restrictions. This man survived every time he put his hand in the dirt. And that's why, you know, when I weighed everything, I had to go with him. So, um,
3: one, one that I would go, I, I, if I could have a write in vote, I would say this one, and this is, I, I, I get it. This is unbiased here, but, uh, Jerome Brown, unfortunately, uh, you know, Jerome only played five years. He passed away tragically. We we all know the story, but if you, if you looked at what he did, he's a guy in 89, 10 and a half sacks his last year, 1991, he had nine sacks. And wow. he was, again, another one who was equally good against the run as he was against the pass. Um, He was just an, an outstanding player. He was he, absolutely a thousand percent would have been a Hall of Famer had he had he survived. Uh, so I, I wanted to throw him in there. I'm not saying he's the greatest ever, but it's a shame. We didn't get a chance to see what that would have looked like had he played another five, six, seven, eight years. Agree. Agree. All right. Yeah. We could go linebacker next. Why don't we go linebacker? Next? Okay. Now, here's the the only thing. It's it's a little. There. This is a little bit tricky, because you know depending on what kind of scheme you're playing in, it, it could be a linebacker slash edge guy. Okay. So for our for what we're doing, I'm gonna I'm gonna call this guy a linebacker. Some people may say he was a defensive end or an edge rusher, or whatever. Right, right. I'm going Lawrence Taylor. I'm going LT. So far we're two out of three. Okay. I I think he was the most disruptive force. He's no ever question. stepped foot on a football a football field. I honest, honestly do. I think he's the ultimate, uh, where is he at all times? If you don't figure him out, he will wreak havoc on everyone, and you have no chance. Um, and there aren't a ton of those kind of guys around, but I believe that LT was that guy. Yes, there was a lot of stuff off the field, but when he played, man, it was like nothing you would ever see. It was It was like a hurricane. That, that rained upon you when he was on the field. So I'll You, I'll you couldn't that. stop
4: him. You could yeah. not stop him. And the one most memorable play is when he, he broke Joe Theismann's leg. Remember that play? Oh uh, God.
3: And and then he gets up and starts. Yeah. yeah.
4: So Hey, you better come get him. And he puts his hand over his head. You know, he was, a, he was this unstoppable force. When, when I looked at the linebacking position, Rob, I had eight linebackers on my list. I looked at, I had Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Derek Thomas, Derek Brooks, Ted Hendricks, Dick Buckus, and Ray Lewis. Yes. And I looked at all of these guys, and there's still about 10 more I could have put on that list as well. But nobody, and I mean nobody, compared to what Lawrence Taylor did on a football field. That man had 132 and a half career sacks. And as we found out later in life when he started talking on all these different shows, there were times, you know, he was hungover. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There were times when he was inebriated. There was time he had issues with substance abuse yep. in his life, and this man stepped on the football field. And his teammates would talk about, you know, Lawrence would not always practice hundred percent every day. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing for a coach like Bill Parcells, you know, Bill Parcells tried his best to get him to 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 eliminate certain things in his life, and he couldn't, unfortunately. But when that man stepped between the stripes, when you snapped the ball, there was nobody more feared in the National Football League than Lawrence Taylor. Non-stop motor, um, and and you he he would come at you. He would come at you from the outside. He'd loop around and come through the inside. There was no way. You know when you scheme against opponents, you always want to find that one or two players. Okay, if we do anything right in this game today, we stop this individual. You could not stop Lawrence Taylor on the football field.
3: Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Well said. Well said. Uh, all right, you get uh, you get first crack here, Derek. If you want to go uh, corner, it's all yours, my friend.
4: Woo! All right, again, uh, on my list, I have a list of six. All right, Aeneas Williams, oh. Willie Willie Brown, Charles Woodson, Mike Haynes, and Rod Woodson. But for me, whether you agree with it or not. Deion Sanders was the best cover corner that ever played in the National Football League. Deion Sanders will tell you, I'm not paid to tackle, I'm paid to cover. And Deion Sanders could get beat on a play and had to make up speed to go back and still pick off a pass. Deion Sanders had 53 career interceptions and returned nine for touchdowns. Mm -hmm. As good as he was at playing corner, he was also a lethal threat in the return game as well. You know, I look at Deion Sanders and I said he was a hired assassin to play cornerback. He played for five different teams in his career, and he excelled with every team he played for. Um, This dude, he won two Super Bowls. He was an eight-time Pro Bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro, first ballot Hall of Famer. Deion Sanders could do it all. He could run with anybody, step for step. You know, we always talk about these – these gazelles in the National Football League now. I believe if Deion Sanders was in his prime right now, he could run with anybody in the National Football League, and that includes Tyreek Hill. Mm. Now Tyreek Hill might get him, but Deion had that kind of speed. He had that ability to cut on a dime. He was a, he was Deion was a really good student of the game. Also, yeah, people don't understand that he just he just, he just wasn't just a phenomenal athlete. Deion and Daryl Green's another one. You know, thank thank you, Bobby. Daryl Green is another one. You know, Daryl Green was a guy. The man was still running the sub four or five 40 when he was in his early forties. Mm-hmm. Daryl Green was phenomenal. He was but incredible. In, he was, but in terms of ability to run and cut and anticipate where ball was going and to be in the right place at the right time, more times than not, I had to go with Dion.
3: All right. Um, believe it or not, Derek begrudgingly, I'm going Dion too. Oh, we're three out of four. It it hurt. It doesn't hurt me that we're three out of four. It hurts me to to give it to a guy (laughs) who played for the Cowboys. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, the impact that he had in the punt return game, the fact that the the teams didn't even look his way when he was in his prime. I'm not talking about at the end when he was sort of hanging on. um, His ability to take a pick back to the house. His confidence, he automatically took the best receiver on the other team. Didn't matter size, speed, any of that. There was really nobody like him, uh, mm. and you know, like Mike Haynes, I think deserves some consideration. No question. Some of the guys you threw out there as well uh, certainly uh, have to be mentioned in in that group. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Deion Sanders as well. I, I will absolutely take him. I, I think we you know there's some guys who are playing now who who yep. may be in consideration for this at some. Point.
4: Absolutely, no
3: question. All right, uh, so we'll go safety now. We will go safety. I'll uh I'll go first. You get the, you get the last one. Okay, can we make it four out of five? Ronnie Lott. He's a converted corner, but he played enough years at safety that I am taking Ronnie Lott. He was the most physical safety I ever saw. He could cover as well. He was a gamer. He was a winner. Um, I, there, this guy, at one point, cut a, the tip of his finger off during a game as to not miss time and go back to the hospital. Now, I don't advise that, but it just shows you where this guy's head was and how much he wanted to win. So I'm, I'm going to go Ronnie Lott.
4: Man, Rob. Oh, no. Yeah? Yeah. Man, I had so many good ones on here. I had Troy Polamalu. Yep. Larry Wilson from the old St. Louis Cardinals. Great player. Ed Reed has 64 career interceptions. I really considered Ed Reed hard. You know, Brian Dawkins is my sentimental favorite. He had 37 INTs. But Rob, the guy I had to go with was Ronnie Lott. Yes. (laughs) I had to go Ronnie Lott. That man, four Super Bowls, 63 interceptions, Ten-time Pro Bowler, six-time First Team All-Pro, any guy who cuts off a tip of a finger could, so he could keep playing and didn't have to have surgery on it—he automatically it moves to the top of my list. List that dude would stick you. Wide receivers and tight ends when they went out and routes to catch—they were always looking to see where Ronnie Lot was. Yep. Ronnie Lot would come up and load the boom on you and take your soul out of you. Mm-hmm. You know, he would make you change your route. He would make your alligator arm passes. Um, I think Ronnie Lott was the best of the best. Uh, I think he was the most complete safety to play the game. And you're right. He started out as a cornerback, but 49ers identified he was better suited to play that safety spot. And, man, did he play it to the best of his ability, better as is, is well if not better than anybody ever to play the game. Just you know, the, other, the other names that I mentioned are worthy candidates, no question about it. Doc, I'm sorry. You know, don't call me and, 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 and tell me off. But I had to go with Ronnie Lott in this case.
3: All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Certainly, Brian Dawkins, uh, some consideration uh, should be given to that. Hey, let me throw this one at you. It's not a big deal, according to the Jets, but Aaron Rodgers tweaked his calf. Uh, he is not, you know, taking part in some of the, uh, any of the drills here that they're they're going through with their OTAs they expect them back quickly so no Aaron Rodgers today on the field
4: well he was there the first day tweaked the cap that's right. when you when you're 39 40 years old yes you, you, you those little things creep up on you you're it's not true. you're not in your 20s anymore I hear you Trust uh, me. yeah if, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw another ball in the entire spring session I don't think the Jets will complain one iota because they have him in a Jets uniform right now that is correct sir all
3: right let's come back uh We'll hit a couple things. We got the Celtics heat tonight. We have birthdays. At, we have an A's uh, longtime broadcaster fired, and we'll we'll discuss that. Wait, too. wait, I got
4: one more for you. Oh, oh, sorry. What was the other one? Lamar Jackson gets his money but decides that, eh, I'm not going to be a part of the workouts right now. What's your yeah. thoughts on that?
3: I think he's going to – yeah, I think they're saying he'll be around tomorrow. I don't know. I, I don't understand how you're not there from day one. I, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it. But I, you know what it does? It makes me glad
4: that the Eagles have Jalen Hurts. I agree. That's,
3: a, that's what it does. For uh, me.
4: Unless unless you have a medical emergency, a death in the family, you're the leader of that franchise. Yeah. You got what you wanted. You pouted and pouted because you didn't get your money. The Ravens finally cave in and give you everything you want. You're the face of that franchise. You lead by example. Even if if you're if you're not throwing, you should be there with your teammates, your mm-hmm. guys, because you have new guys in there as well. And just get to know them a little bit, but maybe maybe you have a relationship with a lot of these guys uh, before they even got here, you know, college ball somewhere else in life. But as the leader of their franchise, you should at least show up and be a part of what's going on. If you're not, if nothing else in the physical sense, if you're not practicing, I, I don't get why he's not there because I haven't yeah. seen anything that says there's something going on in the family that keep that prevents him from being there. Yeah, I think it's mandatory. Even though it's voluntary, I think it's mandatory. You need to be there as a show of support. Yeah, I hear you.
3: Too wonderful. I'll tell you what we could do. Let's, we'll dig into that a little bit when we come back, too. A little bit more. All right, let's get a quickie Uh Derek, we'll come back. Uh, and like I said, we'll discuss all those things. We've got a pretty good birthday and killer movies. Yeah, yeah. kill Killer movies. So we'll do all that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Month of Derek. May. Month of May. It, the greatest month ever. That's Derek. I'm Rob. Uh, we are Sports Take. Jacob sports, YouTube network. I'm going to tell you about razor technology right now with threat vectors evolving. It's more important to monitor all changes in your work environment and set up automated alerts for when something violates an existing policy, get visibility into pivotal changes happening to your systems and networks with it support from razor technology. Change management is an end to end solution for tracking changes across all the systems and networks. Your business administers so that it has transparency into who is making those changes with enough time to respond and take corrective action if necessary. An unauthorized user, device, or application doesn't need very long to cause serious financial and reputational damage to an organization by altering, damaging, or stealing sensitive data. That's why Razor Technology uses real-time change detection to uh, to catch malicious actors in minutes, not days or weeks. Contact Razor Technology today to learn how our managed IT services can protect and enhance your business. Give them a call, 866-797-3282, 866-797-3282, or online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com.
5: Yeah,
3: final segment of the show. It has gone fast today, as usual. Uh, we are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, Derek Gunn, and Rob Ellis. All right, I wanted to, to hit you with this, Gunner, uh, you know, on, on a little more of a serious note here. Um, but the longtime A's broadcaster, his name's Glenn Kuiper. Yeah. He was fired by NBC Sports California after using a racial slur during a telecast while describing a trip to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Now, uh, here, here's the way... Mm-hmm it went down. He was on a pregame show. Uh, the A's were playing Kansas city, the Royals and Kuiper talked about a trip to the museum with colleague Dallas Braden, but seemingly mispronounced the word Negro. You can infer what, what was said. Okay. Making it sound like a racial slur and following an internal review, the decision has been made uh, for NBC sports, California to end its relationship with Glenn Kuiper effective immediately. Uh, we thank him for his, you know, the usual stuff, contributions and all that. So, um, he immediately apologized on the air after he said it, um, said it didn't come out quite the way I wanted it to. He later issued a statement through the network when he was suspended saying, I, mm. I could not be more sorry and horrified by what I said. I hope you'll accept my sincerest apologies. Um, it, you know, and, and then he went on to say, please know racism is no way part of me. It has never been, never will be. I appreciate the Negro League Museum President Bob Kendrick and A's great Dave Stewart's public support of me. And in light of this, I'm an honest, caring, honorable man, respectful husband, father, who would never disparage, uh, never say a disparaging word about anybody, those who know me best, and, you know, et cetera.
4: Um, so he's he's out. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Um, I, he- I heard the comment that he made. He was talking at a very fa- fast pace. The word slips out. It is a word that has been a lightning rod in our society for a long, long time. Uh, Rappers made the word popular in their lyrics and it confused a lot of people in terms of how they could say it, when they could say it. And basically should they even say it? Um, And when the word is, is, is mentioned and spoken, it causes immediate reaction in the NBC sports Bay area took an immediate definitive reaction to try to douse the flame. Um, The fact that I don't know anything about this guy, never met him, don't know anything about him. The fact that of all people, Dave Stewart and the Negro League uh, Association backed him and supported him should have given him some type of breathing room. But unfortunately it, it did not because those people know him. They know his character. They know what kind of guy he is. They've been around him a long time. Uh, it's unfortunate that it was said, but uh, also when it is said, especially in a corporate world, um, it forces a decision-maker's hand, um, and it cost him a job and possibly a career in a lot of ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, It's an unfortunate situation, but hopefully... It's a learning tool, not just for those it pertained to in this case, but for people in general yep. as well. You have to be ultra, ultra careful in today's society, in the social media world we live in, of what you say. How many times have we seen backlash from athletes, entertainers, politicians who have said something, and no matter what they try to do to rectify it, the firestorm is is raining down on them. Um, hopefully, he recovers from this. If Dave Stewart and the uh, Negro League Association uh, back him, I have to, I have to, I have to give him. What's the word I'm looking for? I have to give him That's grace. Great. Also, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, now he's got to re- recoup and, and, and reroute his career.
3: Look, here, here's where I'm at. I, I'm I'm like you. I don't know him. I didn't. I don't have a history with him. I I've never interviewed. I never sat down with him. I've never spent any time with him. So I I'll ultimately, can I sit here and tell you I know what's in the guy's heart? No, I don't yeah. know. Right, right. I listened to it several times, t- just to be able to do my homework and be educated on it. Uh, right. And it sounds like he he simply misspoke. Okay, it's right. a, We know the implications of the word. Uh, we know the seriousness of the word. And uh, I, to say I'm shocked, I'm not shocked that this happened. Uh, but I, it, it seemed to me like the guy made an honest mistake. Um, and I thought with the backing of Dave Stewart and, and the Negro League Museum that he would get a second chance. And he did. And there, there's, there's a piece of me that feels for him. Uh, but not knowing him well enough to know exactly what goes on with this this individual. You know, I I can't I can't go 100 percent to the bat yeah. for him either. But it, it did it did seem like a genuine slip of the tongue. Um, so that, that's kind of where it is. It's it's a yeah yeah all around. It's tough. It's tough. Um, so at, at that, but I think it's uh, it's important for us to talk about this stuff. You know, just to, to be frank. And what we are going to duck away from or shy away from any of these kind of issues on the show. We just every
4: through. every every day we live, it's a learning tool in our worlds. Rob, right? yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. we yep. learn something new and in. So many things are more exposed in our world with the advent of social media. Yep. We've we've learned a lot of things that we never knew about in all realms of life. True. And whether good, bad, or indifferent, they are all learning tools. And hopefully we can get to a point. We are all of one common mind and one common thought. I don't know if it'll ever happen in our lifetime, but at some point in the in the history of this world, I hope it happens. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, all right, so uh, you know, back
3: to back to the fun and games here. Uh, we mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that the Nuggets eliminated the Lakers last night. So again, let me get, give me your sense here with uh, with Game Four, of the Celtics and the Heat. This game is in Miami. Uh, is your sense that this is over? They close it out tonight. The Boston gets the it's the knockout blow from Miami here.
4: In all the years that I've watched the NBA in Boston in playoff situations <laughs> in my lifetime. I've never seen a Boston team quit the way they did in game three. Mm -hmm. Just flat out quit. I think Miami is so far in their head and their psyche right now. Boston will come out and give a good show just because they were embarrassed in game three. But I don't think they they can figure out the Rubik's Cube that is the Miami Heat right now. And I think for the first time in the history of the NBA playoffs, we will see – sweeps in both conference finals damn
3: wow i have it yeah. did you realize last night was the first time that the i it, it, it i'm sorry it, it happens happened every time to the lakers when they've been down 3-0 in a series seven game series they've gotten swept
4: out i didn't um, know that
3: i didn't know michael wilbon threw it out there in the in the pregame, and i i didn't i didn't realize it either um so that's interesting but that look would i be shedding any tears to see boston get swept out uh-uh baby uh, i would uh thoroughly no. I no, really enjoy no. it. Uh, so Especially
4: that, that was- after they ousted the Sixers. No. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Boston um, humbled, humiliated yeah. uh in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I just don't think if – they, if they've been playing this game in Boston, game four in Boston tonight, I would say I would give Boston a 75% chance of winning this game mm-hmm. tonight. But because it's Miami, and Miami just watched Denver close out the Lakers, yeah. Miami wants as much – they're going to have one day less – of rest than the uh, the Mavericks. True. I think Miami's going for the jugular tonight. They don't want a fifth game. They don't want to go back to Boston. Yeah. They want some of this downtime to get ready for what's to come. An okay. opportunity to do what nobody thought they would do, right. possibly win an NBA championship. Even though earlier in the show I said, I think Denver wins it all this year.
3: All right. All right. Let's um, jump to birthdays. Really uh, pretty strong. Pretty strong birthdays. Pretty strong movies, Derek. We'll start with Drew Carey, who has uh, become the the host of the Price is Right, but comedian, actor, sitcom dude. He is 65 yep. years old today. Rosemary Clooney, the longtime, what, singer and actress. She was an actress as well, I, I believe, right? Uh, 28 years old. She is the aunt of George Clooney. Yep. Yes, the aunt. Um, the singer, Jewel. Jewel is 49 years old today. Yep. Jo- I, I honestly, I'm not... I didn't know Joan Collins was still with us. But I
4: didn't either. Honestly, 90. didn't.
3: She's ninety today. So.
4: Alexis Carrington from Dynasty.
3: Yes. So good for Joan. She's still doing it. I was surprised when I saw that one. I didn't know. No disrespect. Anyway, um, Aaron Donald is thirty-two years old today. Yep. Uh, the, the the Ram. Great. One of my favorites. Man. Marvelous Marvin He was a bad dude. Uh, yeah it, he was oh man uh, and he was this was before a, a lot of guys shaved their heads he had that intimidating yeah. look man and he could bring it the Hagler Hearns fight where they just go nuts for for what was it around three rounds it, it was, is, it was is three, probably yeah. maybe my favorite fight I, I mean honestly it was that, that was good. a good
4: one because no, yeah. because Hearns had him early Oh, yeah. And Hagler always tells a story that he really cranked it up. When he went to his corner, and he had a cut on his eye. Yep. And he saw blood. And he said, you never know what these refs and these judges are thinking. So I knew I had to up my game. He went out and took Tommy Hearns out in a hurry.
3: Yeah. He was a bad man. He was a bad man. Uh, he was born this day, 1954.
4: You know, he was the undisputed middleweight champ from 1980 to 1987. Was it that long? Eight, yep, seven years. He was the undisputed middleweight champion. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. I didn't know
3: that. Uh, Scatman Crothers, who was a funny actor and did a lot of voiceover work and cartoons and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Born born on this day, 1910. He had a very – he's another one shaved head. He had a very recognizable look.
4: Yep. Uh,
3: Ryan Coogler, who's a phenomenal director. He directed the first Creed, uh, is 47 years old today.
4: He's a really good director. He also uh, did the Black Panther movies as well. Yep. 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 You're right. And no, he, he's 30, 30, I think he's 36. Uh, 36. Uh, yeah, I get
3: Yeah, he's 36. 30. I mean, I'm, I'm off a of year. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, singer Maxwell is 50 yep. years old today. Yep. Uh, Douglas Fairbanks, the actor, 1883, uh, was yep. born. Great author, Mitch and writer, Mitch Album. Absolutely. Awesome. Just awesome. Uh, Lauren Shahidi uh, is 40 today. She does a lot of work for MLB Network. Uh, for those of you who watch that, yes. I, I always enjoy her work. Uh, Rasul Butler, sadly, we lost him very young in a car accident. He is, he was born in 1979, former NBA player and LaSalle player. Uh, that's all I got movie or, uh, birthdays. And I just have movies after that. What do you have?
4: Oh, let's see here. We have uh, Melissa McBride, great actress, 58. She's in the walking dead series. Uh, okay. great, great actress. Uh, we also have, uh, John Ortiz is 55. He was in Fast and the Furious, Miami Vice, American Gangster, Carlito's Way. Very talented actor. One of those actors, as we talk about, mm-hmm. you don't know his name, but you know it. You know him when you see him. Okay, you know, it's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Betty Garrett, who was born on this day in 1919. She was the political, po- politically liberal next door neighbor of Archie Bunker in all in the fa- in, uh, all in the family. Oh, she was in Laverne Shirley too. Yes, yes,
3: yep. She played the uh, Laverne's dad's uh, love interest.
4: Yep. We have uh, DJ DJ uh, Controna, who was in uh, – he's 43 today. He was in Venom, From Dusk Till Dawn, and G.I. Joe Retaliation. Okay. Uh, Lauren Chapin, uh, she was the youngest child. Remember the old sitcom uh, Father Knows Best? Mm-hmm. She played Kathy Anderson. Okay. She's 78 today. Okay. Uh, tennis great John Newcomb mm-hmm. is 79 today. Former NFL quarterback Jay Feely is 47 a day. Okay. You believe that? Yeah, uh now. Uh Charlie Hayes, former Philly. Yes. Is 57 a day. And Chad Hall, who joined the Eagles as an unrestricted free agent, is 37 a day. Okay. All
3: right. Yep. Let's uh we got to move quick through the movies oh, here.
4: Okay. We have
3: Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, nineteen eighty four. Great movie. One of the all timers. Uh The Shining, nineteen eighty, another great yep. one.
4: Oh, yeah. Red Realm, um, Red Realm.
3: Yeah, uh, Bruce Almighty, two thousand three. Yep. Uh, Nineteen ninety seven, Lost World, Jurassic Park. Yes, sir. Hangover Part Three in twenty thirteen. Yep. Uh, twenty fourteen, X Men. Yeah, you know, we a lot of the X Men's released uh, around this date. Days of
4: Future Past. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: Blend It came out in twenty fourteen. Yep.
4: And all right, that's what else. What else do you have? The only other movie I have is Manic, it came out in two thousand three.
3: All right. All right. That'll do it, man. It was fun. Good job. Good job at everybody in the uh in the chat. Good job at everybody streaming and listening. We do appreciate it as always. And we'll be back with you tomorrow. I want to thank our guy, Tone DeShields. Tone, great job as always. Tone has a killer bucket hat on today, which I dig. It's looking good. Uh and uh coming up, don't go anywhere. We have the national football show with Dan Cilio. And Gunnar and I will be back same time tomorrow. So everybody, have yourself a great rest of your uh Tuesday, and we will see you on hump day. Thanks for
1: watching, everybody.